OTB Sports Rugby. He was trying so hard. Every kick off the boot, it was like he had no timing in the world. It was They were just like dead ducks flying across the air. And... Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. And welcome to Friday's OTBM. Adrian here, Shane over there. Morning, folks. Morning, Adrian and Colm. How are things? Colm over there. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Shane. Great shirt, Shane. Thank you, Colm. Yes. Shirt. Is that the third or fourth company? That's the fourth company we've got this morning. That'll be fifth, wouldn't it? None none from Adrian. No, I suspect that you won't be getting any more. I won't be certainly adding to it. Um, But not something I'd wear myself, Shane. But listen, fair play to you. It's um, it's out there. We've put it out there now. Uh, Good morning to you, wherever it is you're at. Uh, Delighted to have you along this Friday morning. We've loads coming your way uh, between now and uh, 10 this morning. We've uh, plenty to get our teeth into. Um, We'll inevitably end up discussing the event of the week. And um, we'll have Morris Deegan on a little bit later on to give the refs uh, perspective and all of that. Some developments uh, overnight in that the uh, slight indicators that were coming from Declan Bogue earlier in the week that uh, Crokes may indeed launch an objection uh, to the objection to the result from Glenn uh, seems to be coming a bit more hardline now because it's reported across most of the back pages this morning that that looks as if that's what will happen um, and uh, they'll make the case that, I presume they'll make the case that um, the result should stand um, because the officials should have sorted it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just hope now. If I, I, I hope the game is played. I hope the replay is actually played. Like I don't want to get. I don't want to get to a stage where the replay is ordered and then one or both or either team decides not. Nah, not going to play it. Is there a possibility, Glenn? Just say. Um, we don't want to. We do, th- thanks for um, adjudicating over that. We don't actually want to play the game. I, I think they they won't want to have been left wondering what if over in All Ireland, as uh, Damien Cassidy said during the week. This could be once in a lifetime. Look, Glenn could be back in the next three or four All Ireland finals. They could. But what, what do you mean, like what if? Well, you don't want to look back in ten, fifteen years, twenty years, or more at your career and say, "Do you know what? I, I'm angry about that now. We should we should have played that game. We should have re- we angry should, like, in that like we oh, we definitely would have got a goal." No, not no, not necessarily that. Like the, the the chances of a goal happening at that uh, last fifteen seconds were slim, regardless of whether it was fifteen or sixteen. But that's not the point. Eight. But anyway, go on. Yeah. But yeah, it's not. But it's not the point. However, for for some period of that game, Kilmacott had more players than Glenn. So that's that's the rule. That's the yeah. rule, and I agree with that. That's the that's the rule. And then after that, there's the spirit of the rule. I don't think there's any. Uh, I'm sure Glenn would like to have another go at it and to retake the 45 and of course if that had just well, that happened was at just, the time then yeah. that would have been amazing but that's not the position we're in but I'd it'd be struggling to think that there's too many of them sitting back going if we could just do that again with 15 players definitely would have got that goal oh no, no I don't you think, know, I don't like think it's that's not like um, it isn't like a loud mead situation in that case where it's like if he hadn't have just dived over the line with the ball then we actually would have won the game. Yeah. It's not, it can't be as clear-cut as that for them. There's a load of grey area, and there's a load of grey area on the, on the Croke side, because I'm sure as they convened across the pubs uh, during the week from the squad and players' point of view, and like it must be an awful position to be in because you're trying to celebrate this thing, and then you've got this cloud hanging over you, um, and not, not without their own input into creating that cloud, of course. Yeah. But it must be just on a human level an awful thing to have been through, and like by all accounts... 
I know I was on chatting about it yesterday morning. We don't need to rerun the phone on that, although I do see a couple of comments coming in uh, even this morning that are fairly indicative of the response that I got to it yesterday. Ed McCabe saying that he'd be giving... I, I So this was in response to one of the clips that went up uh, where I'd been talking about... Um, you know, people around the club and the impact that it's had and uh, whatever else. He'd be giving it the big one if it was the other way around, uh, says Aidan McCabe. Um, thanks, Aidan. Fair play. That's uh, good to know my innermost reactions to a hypothetical situation. Mm. Fair play. And um, then Oshin, uh, good morning to you. Oshin uh, saying, Adrian spent most of his time saying that context is important. It's entirely irrelevant. Unstructured defensive echo chamber stuff. That's right, Oshin. Context is absolutely not important. Um, in my view, context is totally important. And I do think that, like, when it comes to it, if Crokes are to go back to say, listen, the result should stand. And, like, if that's the route they choose, that is uh, that is fair enough. Uh, I don't that's, think that's, that's fair enough. That's within, that, of course it's fair enough. That, Crokes to say the result should stand. It's fair enough for them to go back and say the result should stand because... Like if that's what they're going to do, but the, but that's I don't think that's there is the a, I don't think there is. A, I think a lot of gar well, heads would say there's no worthy reason for that. Well, for that they, they'll make the case is what I'm saying. They'll make the case that the referee should never have put down his flag. He should have let the substitution be complete. Sorry, the linesman, and that even at that, once it was spotted, the referee should have gone again. That um, they can they can absolutely. Uh, at least in part, disassociate themselves from what happened. Because, like, that's the thing. Sure, none of us have a black and white answer as to who's... We don't know. As I sit here, I don't know whose fault it was. No, but it, but it, it's, com- it's a comedy of errors, isn't it? It's, it's a combination of... It's not just the officiating officiate officials on the day. It's not just Kill McCud. But once the game ended, I mean, the Darren Mullen and the substitute who came on to replace him would have both been aware... Well, yeah, we were both on the pitch. I don't. You see, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know that. Well, you, you'd I, imagine. Well, well, I, I would assume he hadn't a clue. Well, maybe Dara had no had no idea because <clears throat> Paul Mannion seemed to be having trouble here in the Tannoy and, and noticing that he had to come off as yeah. well. And, and then he did notice by looking up at the big screen. I think that's what what you gauge from looking at the TV. I don't want this to get to a point where Kim could turn around now and say we're not we're not going to play the we're not going to play the final because you know. It can't get to a point where they're like, it's it's either we win the trophy or nobody wins the trophy. Well, you That's see, you can't present stuff. that as like, you can't present that as a toys out of the pram stuff because uh, they can legitimately feel, and as I said already, that um, it's not as if they had no hand actor part in it. Obviously, there is a part responsibility in that. I don't know to what extent that is, but it's not a toys out of the pram stuff to say that they're they feel very let down, I'm sure, by the officiating on the day to the point where they can say, that should have been better if that had a, if that had been right. Then none of this would have would have crapped up. Resp- there is responsibility. Like if this happened to a junior club in Monaghan, and and I was say I was on the management team, I'd be saying afterwards, we, we messed look, up we, too. We did it. We had sixteen players in the pitch. Hypotheticals. We, we, we don't know. I know. You but, don't know, Shane. You haven't a clue. Like no, you, but you can't sit here and say that. I know you were saying earlier on about Malikur. You haven't. Nobody knows. Yeah, but but I'm saying that the, all the blame can't go on officials here. Like some of it has to go on Kilmacud. Uh, I'm not saying. I'm not saying all of it. I don't know what the percentage exactly uh, is, but I do think that ult- the ultimate responsibility, if it doesn't currently, common sense dictates that for a myriad of different reasons, it needs to sit firmly on the shoulders of the officials. Well, I think common sense dictates there has to be a replay. And and if John Fogarty's reporting yesterday and the examiner is to be believed, Kilmacott aren't going that direction. Now, the, the reporting has changed and seesawed Mm. Over the last few days on this, we don't know what, what, where it's going to end up, and ultimately they have until tomorrow morning to to make their move, Kilmacud. And it is like a game of poker; this is not going to be resolved very, very quickly. 
but but I really hope that report is not true or that they will change their mind if it is true. I, I just I hope I genuinely hope Kim McCud don't say in the end of all this, no, we're not playing the replay. Yeah, but I'm just saying that, that that will be the rationale and I definitely have sympathy for a lot of that because the officials um, really should have um, should have done a bit better as I said I don't on know. that button. Well, of course they should have. It's, no, but not, the, even, yeah, it's not even up for debate. Like the next, but the extra man on the pitch, I mean... Do you know, they, they, I feel more sorry for Glenn than, than anyone else. I know, this. yeah, but like at that point we're into, I feel a bit more sorry, that, you know, we're into a bit of the, what's the, sli- I, I don't know what the slicing up of the responsibility will be, and ultimately that'll be up to the CCCC to go, well, here's where we think this thing sits, and at the minute it's a bit vague. The other point to make is that, like, um, Glenn have a wedding upcoming on the, I think it's the 11th of February, there are, after I was on yesterday and I was out and about and around and talking to various people, it seems as if there are an awful lot of holidays booked uh, on the Croke side I'm sure it's on the Glen side as well and some of them for key players and some of them going very far away and some of them going for an extended period of time um, like creates a grey area to this it's not a professional sport these are not people who are they've obviously gone ahead and made plans I know it was touched on yesterday the family they've um, you know partners and all that sort of stuff and like could the suddenly all that's that? could they pay for Kilmacud and Glen players holidays being deferred or or Oof. changed, I just I, I don't know. I think setting a precedent then exactly to set an off precedent, and I don't know about that. Like they'll probably try to come to some sort of an accommodation of a date that wouldn't that would probably be more desirable that would um, have less of an impact on that stuff, which may end up meaning that we're back on Paddy's day. Yeah, it could it could well do. That's what I was thinking. But Jesus, it'd be an awful that. it'd be an awful limbo to be in between yeah. now and March. Isn't it so much uh, inevitable as well if that is the case? If uh, uh, replay is ordered and both teams agree to it. And then, with, as you say, with holidays and with the calendar busy as it is, like we're, the league's starting tomorrow here, like you know, we're back into inter-county stuff, and then uh, you go to Paddy's Day, say, that is the time that the replay is played. The, the momentum is lost of the story, isn't it? And then it goes to show that it's really just this week, this penultimate week in January, where it peaked. Mm. And then, as time will go on, we'll reflect on this time and think, what was the point in all of that? Unless a rule is actually changed yeah. and something comes from it, because otherwise this was the biggest waste of time. I think Nicky Brennan hit the nail on the head during the week on that on that front. I didn't take a great amount of solace from him that that was actually going to be the case. He seemed to be suggesting that there'd probably be little chance that people would sit down and actually get to the root of it and sort the bloody thing out. It's totally ridiculous. Just adopt the soccer style substitution rule. You're not going on until you come off. That that's yeah. it. Like just. Let that be the end of it. But they're probably going to say, well, it, it's such a rare incident that there's no need to change the, uh, the fl- well, ebb and I flow of uh, Gaelic football because we're not soccer, would I be, I imagine, we've just had a paraphrase a of their incident in the National Stadium in front of the TV cameras and the showpiece event at the club year, let's assume that it happens in grounds around the country as well. Yeah, but I think you're uh, forgetting people's uh, mindset and memories and people move on very fast. Uh, yeah, the Nicky Brennan point is, is, is an And this will be forgotten about yeah. in about three or four weeks' time, especially when Intercounty resumes. Real in the years will be good, though. Yeah, it'll be, it'll a, good be a moment. And I think, like, if, if you're keeping a diary of how the week's going throughout the year in sport, you'll be like, oh, do you remember that time in January? Because at the moment, this, this seems to me is, is it's just it's a good discussion point. Everybody's getting involved. WhatsApps are popping off. The live chat's great. And it's like, I don't know, what side of the fence do you sit on? It's perfect. Everybody loves this stuff. I, I, but if nothing comes from this, this has been a complete waste of time. Yeah. I, I can't understand some of that. So Michael Kennedy says in the comments, can't understand why Shane keeps saying it needs to be a replay. It was one minute. It was the fault of the officials. Fine only. And let's move on. I, like, that's a ridiculous thing to say. 
that's a ridiculous comment. You, you, you're not the, the two teams aren't going to meet up and replay the fifteen seconds or replay the forty uh, the eight seconds or replay the forty five. That's just uh, not going to happen. I don't mind hearing alternatives like that. I think yeah, it's pretty no, creative. It can't. It, that can't be the case because we we cannot. Yes, it's unlikely that Len would have scored a goal in that last moment, even if there had been one less. But the point is, Darmon was on the line. He's one of only two or three players that are there. I don't line. think we should overstate. And the other thing is, sorry, I keep repeating this thing, uh, I don't know what imp- impact, or otherwise Darren Mullen Hex had never been involved in a game like that at that moment. Maybe it was crucial, maybe it had no impact whatsoever, we don't know, but I don't think we should overstate, I can't say enough that it wasn't the um, Meath-Loud situation. Like, you can't, there's just, it's a tiny, a hundred times out of a hundred if you get asked, would you rather be Crokes or Glenn in that scenario? In terms of, not now. Yeah, like if you were in that scenario, could you, do you want to be Crokes or Glenn? Well, obviously, yeah, Crokes had the lead. 100 times out of yeah, 100, yeah, you're yeah, picking yeah, Crokes. Yeah, of course. I think it's, it's a tiny percentage play. I know that at that point you're into, well, I think it's a bit more than tiny, and I think it's a bit less than tiny, but if, and it's into a bit of a weird sort if of... If you'd ask me in the 93rd minute at 1-1, or 1-0 to Bayern Munich in 99, which would you rather be? I'd rather you know, be in Bayern. You know what I, you know I think's happened? That's, this is sport. This is five, anything five anything can ago. happen. It's five days ago, right? I don't even think people know where they stand anymore. I don't even think people remember their original opinion of this. Like, this has gone so convoluted that, like, please make a decision on this before the weekend is out, so we can all move on with our lives. Well, like, I think that how much I, more? I don't know if a decision this? will be made, but obviously, Crokes will respond at some point. I mean? in the next the, uh, the GEA thing is an important point that Nicky Brennan touched on. That, like the fact that something has to come out of this, and his fear, as you said, and like that, that it won't happen. Mm-hmm. Like I, I thought the dinosaurs were wiped out sixty million years ago by that comet. But there's still dinosaurs in the GEA to this day who refuse to change things. And I, I'm, I'm concerned that nothing will be changed here. Whether it's substitutions or communication on the sideline or whatever. Or, or, or maybe just a quicker decision from the GEA on all this. I tell you what's more important from this. It's more important that a rule is changed for the better than a replay occurring, in my opinion, because then it's a legacy. And actually, this is probably the best thing that ever happened. Then there's an asterisk. There will be a an asterisk. Don't forget, forget about this. Oh, there forget is. There is. Forget forget it. no, no, no. It's not an asterisk. There is. Forget it's about it. Like, win you, will always you've be already accepted. How is it? You've already accepted that it's a tiny percentage, so you can't say. Yeah, but it's not zero. It's not zero. So that's the point. This is sport. Anything could have happened. It's not. It's not loud mead either. No, no, no. There's no need for people to be as outraged about the loud mead stuff as they are about this. No, but Damien Cass. I'm not saying that, like, I've already said on the show yesterday, just replay the game. Just run it again. Just just do it, right? But, like, it's not as extreme as, you know, this out, out, you know premeditated sort no, of... No, no, no. And I never said it was, was premeditated. Like, I'll make that clear. Definitely not premeditated. Like, my, my gauge is the fact that the Darren Mullen was on the line. Damien Cassidy said, look, it definitely has an impact, an extra player being on the pitch at that point. Who knows? It, it, yeah, who knows? But that's the point. Who knows? So it has to be a replay. Do you know, uh, it, I think it is a tainted win, regardless. I think I think that can, I think that is overstating it. I I disagree. I, like uh, I think if if Kim could win a replay, all well and good. If Glenn win a replay, all well and good. The win is there for either uh, team. you. Have to accept as well. There are there are a lot of people piling on here because it's Crocs. You have to accept that. I think that if the if it was a different I, club, I don't, I don't, yeah, maybe uh, maybe originally, but I think people uh, moved on. Can I make a suggestion? Go on. Can we move on from this? Uh, well, uh, Tommy mix? Tommy here on YouTube. Tommy Two Times. Good morning to you, Tommy Two Times. Uh, Adrian and Shane having it out in Cullum, just reading the paper, Gas Man. Um, just reading the paper, says Paul Mallon, in the middle of a conversation live on air on camera. Good man. Well, I was just looking at other stories because I was oh, waiting good for to have you to finish. But I did enjoy the back and forth. It was very good, but... Uh, I don't know, we can talk about other things. There's there, loads of other comments there, and we will, let's come back to them a little bit later on because we're like, I, I, I do appreciate Stephen. that there is a bit of... 
plenty and I have loads of it fatigue about this story yeah. but equally it's it's um, well we have a slot dedicated to us in for uh, a twenty past eight, you know. Yeah, we'll come back to the comments yeah. as well at some mm. point. What else are we talking about? That's the <laughs> Jack McCarron was an it was an issue. Then we, yeah. we we discussed last night on the on the the team WhatsApp group. This 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 has got people talking talk about GA controversies. It kind of segues in nicely. It's not quite a controversy, but Jack McCarron, um, one of Monaghan's top players, reaching his prime at the moment. There he is with. That's uh, <laughs> why you so, brought this up. Uh, it's not at all. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> clearly it looked like I was playing. He did look very well there. Look at your arms. Uh, yeah, well, I wasn't. That's playing why you lo- looks delighted to be there. It, but that's after. The, <laughs> it, it highlights. Uh, it highlights how important Jack McCarron is to Monaghan football because the la- Monaghan have been. This is the ninth year of Division One football for Monaghan. And last year, kick, last kick of the ball, free kick. Jack McCarron nails a free kick to relegate the Dubs in Clonus keep Monaghan in the division by the skin of their teeth and the year before Galway seven points down in Clonus and um, Jack McCarron in extra time just before the game goes to penalties kicks an unbelievable score from play to uh, to relegate Galway and keep Monaghan in the division he has, he plays for a junior club in Monaghan called Curran this is a very rural junior club um, probably hit a lot by emigration and not many numbers uh, but he plays for them he's had a bit of success I think he might have won a junior championship in Monaghan a number of years ago Dick Clerkin's club as well Um but uh, Jack's dad Ray, who's a Monaghan legend, played for played for Scotstown. Mm. Scotstown are the the Kilmacud of Monaghan football. They're the, the they're the big dogs. They're the super club. They have a big parish. <coughs> it's not quite the same. But the, they they have won a lot of senior Monaghan championships, and they're probably the team, the dominant team at the moment. You have two Q's brothers: Rory Began, Shane Carey, Conor McCarthy. A lot of the county panel backbone is made up of uh, of Scotstown players. Uh, Jack has put in a transfer that was approved on, this week by the Monaghan County Board to move from Curran, the junior club, the lowly club, to Scotstown. Mm. Now, of course, he wants to win his, his senior championships. Uh, Ray, Ray McCarran, as I said, his dad played for Scotstown. His grandfather, before he emigrated to Luton, played for Scotstown. So it's in his family, and apparently a, a, a transfer is made easier when you, ha- you have that father rule, where, where your parent has played for the easier club. Easier in the sense that people don't get as irate as they do about Shane Walsh. Maybe because he has that family link, but it's also it's also probably a little bit controversial in that you know he's moving yeah. from a junior club to a, to a senior club. I wish him all the best, um, but it's got the people on the streets of Monaghan talking. He's not, it, the point is, I, I'm reading between the lines of what you're saying, he's not moving because of his family links, he's moving because he wants to win a senior championship. Well, well uh, that's what I would expect. Yeah, which because, is what Shane Walsh did. Yeah, and, and he, I know he's links, he's living up in Tyrone at the moment, I think, and um, he could have moved to a club up there. Uh, I think, is it Eric Kieran? maybe he was one of the clubs in the right. championship. So he, he actually, he, well, that would have been, been easier. more controversial, would it? Would or would that have been easier? Actually, I think less controversial because you're moving counties right, a little right. bit. Um and it's where he lives. It's kind of like Shane Walsh. The Shane Walsh situation here would have been him playing in Tyrone. Mm. But he decided to play for Scotstown. So it's a controversial one. But uh, I'm interested to see people's opinions on the, on the whole GEA transfer within a county. Because we've seen it happen with outside of a county. But when it ha- happens within a county, it's almost more controversial. But look, it's juice. We're going to do... Um Later on, we've a t- we've a slot that we've planned out for months and months and months that we w- have been itching to do. Yeah. And um, do you want to give people a heads up, and then they can well, sort of contribute their own list? The final slot of uh, the show today, um, just to wrap up the week, we're going to do what we call an OTB panel, where it will be Shane Age and myself and Kathleen McNamee, and I have posed the question to the three guys, and they're going to come with an answer, and it involves socialising with people of note. Do you want to just actually tune give in? No, no, tune in for the uh, for the slot itself. So we'd now, like people to get involved to this studio. We'd like people to get involved. Um, so do you want to just give them? We have uh, we have a TV here, so uh, now to watch a live sport. And in the last few moments, Stefano Sitsipas 
has qualified for the uh, Australian. I thought we were headed has down qualified for the uh, Australian if, Open. Uh, three, three people that you'd like to have at dinner. And send in your list. It's his on. second Grand Slam final. Send in your jokes. And the first Grand Slam yeah. final he played was the French Open in 2021, where he played Novak Djokovic and was two sets up. And Djokovic forgot about that in a press conference this week when he was asked about it. And Djokovic is set to play Tommy Paul uh, this morning, imminently. And should he win that, it'll be a repeat of that 2021 final. Tsitsipas against Djokovic on the women's side. Arena Sabalenka into her first Grand Slam final, having lost uh, three Grand Slam semi-finals previously. But what's actually very interesting about this, if you, even if you don't follow tennis, is yesterday, after her semi-final victory, Sabalenka was asked, uh, why is your form so good suddenly? Because she's unbeaten this year. She won the warm-up tournament in Adelaide. She reached the WTA finals, the final of that, where the top eight players played each other in the back end of last year. And she said, quite simply, I ditched my psychiatrist because I realised that other people couldn't fix my own problems and I had to start taking responsibility for my own problems, which is interesting. It's kind of going the opposite way from, I think, the general uh, well-being of people now is like share your problems and you know a problem yeah. shared a problem halved mm. and she's kind of going the other way saying that she needs to take more responsibility yeah yeah so that i mean that the different the psychiatrist like difference. had yeah, exactly. done too good a job exactly yeah. that's exactly she said she was delegating too much um of her own well-being to an outside source and since she's changed that and look maybe this is related with people in their lives so i thought it was kind of an interesting point and richie played it in the news round last night and even hearing her say it is more powerful again the way she said it uh, so she's into the final and she'll play Alina Rybakina, who is the reigning Wimbledon champion, who has won two titles in her career. So 50% of them is the biggest tournament you can win. Mm. And she's yet to reach a final since that Wimbledon 26 months ago, but she's played many tournaments, hasn't reached a final since. Mad. But I would back uh, Rybakina to beat Sabalenka in tomorrow's final, even though Sabalenka has a 3-0 winning record against Rybakina. Where does the Australian Open rank in terms of your favourite, your personal favourite uh, oh, Grand Slams? Uh, good question. I would say Power it's, my, uh, it's Wimbledon number one. US Open 2, Australian Open 3, French Open 4. And the reason that Roland Garros is last is because aesthetically it's actually quite tough to watch it because you have the burnt orange clay yeah. versus the yellow ball. And if it's sunny, it's almost impossible if you're at a certain angle to actually see where the ball is and you're going by the body language of the players. Uh, I just love the, I love the vibe of the US Open. I love, um, I just love like the, the buzz around it and like, I kind of like the timing as well, the way you can watch it, because it's, it's kind of a lot of like late night watching, mm. and um, the crowd are brilliant in New York. And tennis becomes mainstream because don't the winners go on to all the chat shows in America and Jimmy Fallon. Exactly, it's the one time it kind of comes into people's consciousness, and like you know, tennis is, is fighting for some attention there on Twitter. The last time I can remember it happening purely for tennis terms was uh, when Jack was playing Nadal at the French Open quarterfinal in twenty twenty one, and it was the same night that the Euro started. Oh yeah. Uh, Italy against Turkey and this was actually more popular than Italy-Turkey because it was such a good match it's very often you get a brilliant tennis match and nothing could they change the colour of the ball for the French Open is that a, a possibility uh, or can, can t- do tennis balls have to be that luminous green uh, I think well I, I think well it's like a football so they start using this yellow football versus their white one a winter time so it's easier to see <laughs> It's just waiting for it. And I think, it's, uh, I think it's actually the easiest spot to see. I know it's pedantic, I mean, but it, it's I'm important I'm just thinking that, like, uh, I, met, I met, uh, referenced Father Stone earlier on. Um, what colour ball should they have at the French Open? Do you think, Cullum? <laughs> well, if, if, it, if it affects yeah, the viewers' to experience. Stay with, just, should they have different colour balls? Maybe. To stay with Father Ted, she, he's just kidding type like Mrs Doyle. Well, that's enough stalling. Have, you, uh, have you ever been to one of them? Uh, the Australian Open. And it, it's brilliant. It's really, really good. It was 2014, the year Stan Wawrinka won it. Um, you never met it over to Wimbledon? I've been, I've literally gone to the outside of Wimbledon queued and couldn't get in. But uh, our own Kathleen McNamee uh, covered Wimbledon yeah, for, yeah. A, for a previous employer. Mm. 
Um, so, yeah, I'm very keen to get over. Uh, but the Australian Open is amazing if you ever get a chance, if you're over there, ever get a chance to do it. Um, the best thing about it is the access to the training courts. And you're like, the distance between myself and Shane in the studio, which is not very large, and you're right up close person with the greatest players in the game and just seeing how effortless it is for these people to hit ground strokes. And they have training partners whose full-time job is to rally with these professionals. Mm. So they're technically brilliant, these training partners, but they could never compete in a match. And it just goes to show the difference in levels as you go up it? the ladder. Oh, the amazing. worst thing about it is that they go on until like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, of course. The, the Australian Open scheduling is absolute nonsense. It's com- it's is it for what? Is it TV, is for TV over here? Or no, they, well, yeah, look, they love the night's schedule. That's when most people watch it. But the problem is they're having like the best of five set matches. Basically, the women's should be on that time because it's the best of three. So it's going gonna to finish at a reasonable hour. And also, yeah. they just need to make women's tennis more prominent anyway. But for the, they always put the men's games last, right? French Open are awful for this as well. And the Andy Murray match last Friday finished at like... I'm was it? 4.06am. Yeah. Stupid yeah. stuff. 4.06am. Why didn't they just call it at midnight and resume the next day? It was a great match. Brilliant match. Mm. But like, Murray's exhausted. Yeah. Th- like, and he's done from it. And there was barely anybody left in the stadium to watch one of the greatest matches oh, did they of the last leave? 12. Of course they did. It's four in the morning. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm there. I'm not leaving. Loads of comments coming into us um, here about all sorts. Uh, uh, we've thrown out if you had three dinner guests to have uh, for sp- uh, sports people that are currently alive not don't have yeah. to be active but still alive at least uh, Adrian spoiled this I really did think that you would all tune in a quarter past nine no but I think the, people might tune in now as you go but no the problem is the problem is they're going to Cahill Doherty has got the ball rolling okay go ahead if you've got the ball rolling if you could you know, Please. Give us a second. Children. Children. Um, Carl Doherty says, dinner table includes Enoch Burke, myself and John Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, uh, you see, the problem is, if people I mean, say, if you would take him for dinner, at least the residents <laughs> wouldn't have to look at this. No, no, no. The problem, <laughs> is, the problem is, if, if he, um, the person hasn't taken into account the fact that if Enoch Burke is there, his dad has to be there. No, you so see, this is the problem now. Brian has, Brian has come in with... Um, for John Rogers, actually, already around the table. <laughs> a great suggestion there by Brian in the live comments is Roy Keane, Jose Mourinho and Johnny Ward. And that would be a fantastic dinner. But the problem is now, I don't want people coming in beforehand because it will colour all your thoughts and then you'll be influenced by other uh, people. No, 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 I have my That's own thoughts written down. I, I have one of my thoughts written down, so I'm right. open to suggestion. If people want to... <laughs> well, yeah, give me more. What was Damien Delaney's um, oh, selection? Uh, Stalin. Joseph uh, Stalin. Napoleon. And I can't remember the third... I mean, already... I remember the third. Famous for their sporting prowess, Yeah, yeah. Listen, we, uh, go ahead there, I'd say. Thanks, Colin. Yeah. Thanks for coming in and for paying attention after reading the papers for the first 10 minutes. Well, it was such a fast day. on this yeah. uh, Friday morning. You're watching OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. If you really want him, he might come back in the studio a little later on and talk to us about something or other. Who knows what it'll be. But in the meantime, do keep those uh, guest lists coming into us. Uh, here's what's coming up between now and 10 for you this morning. We've uh, Ronan Agara standing by to chat to us about all things La Rochelle and uh, rugby and beyond in a couple of moments' time. Catherine Murphy will join us uh, live from Melbourne around the Australian Open as the uh, men's uh, semi-finals. Um, one more of those to go after Pass win earlier today and obviously the uh, women's final uh, lineup is now known. Morris Deegan, with apologies to some and no apologies to others, uh, will be along to run the rule over what the uh, how the officials... Um, what's the right word? 
officiated. Good man, Shane. How the officials officiated at the game on Sunday. Uh, John Duggan will be in studio to, uh, he's going to reflect on that famous Barbarians try 50 years ago and let us know what's coming up for the weekend and off the ball as well. We go around the world with the stories that couldn't make headlines elsewhere but have somehow found their way into a slot and off the ball at uh, 5 to 9 with Shane. We have uh, Car Crash who's commented. I hope Shane gets a 10 minute slot of cringe today, lads. Car Crash is my, is my biggest hater on YouTube. <laughs> Every time he's on in the mornings, he'll say something nasty about me, something nasty to me. Car Crash, I hope you enjoy around the world because I've got my 10 minutes of cringe. Tune in and uh, you can leave all the hateful abuse you want towards me. Um, just keep the language clean and um, I'll, I'll read it out and enjoy it. Fair play. <laughs> I, hope, I, I hope people leave some positive comments as well. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to try um, to convince you, Adrian, of the. There's plenty of those, Shane. Yeah. You know that you don't you don't read them out. You Not don't pay enough attention to them, but there's plenty of those out there too. It's uh, coming up on eight o'clock. Connor Howran, by the way, is the uh, other uh, guest that we'll have a little bit later on. He was on chat to Nathan last night about a range of topics, including uh, Roy Keane. Funny enough, and that'll be coming your way um, just before ten this morning. Nearly eight o'clock. Ronan Agarra, good morning to you. Hi, Adrian. How are you? How are you keeping? Great, you. Ah, uh, flying out, yeah, yeah, yeah. An interesting week at this side of the water. I don't know if you've paid any attention to GA events, the club final last weekend. Yes, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Um, big drama, difficult one, really, because it's um, not, there was two minutes left in the game, wasn't it? An, an extra man for two minutes. It was, about, it was an extra man for it, and I'm slightly biased in the conversation because it's my club, uh, adopted club, but uh, the play, ball was in play for about less than 10, 10 seconds anyway, yeah, I think overall. It was, it was a crucial move. Uh, it was a 45 last, last kick of the game, Ronan, and yeah, they had an extra man on the pitch, stood in the goal line, uh, free gets taken, squeezes wide, nobody realises all this has gone on. Um, actually, apart from the opposition manager who's asked the officials to do something about it, and they didn't, and then obviously the trophy gets presented, the homecoming happens, and now suddenly here we are, sort of five or six days later, waiting still for... Talking uh, about it. Still talking about it and potentially looking at a replay. A mess, I think, yeah. is the short story. Yeah. Yeah. Does it... Does it yeah, it, it's... If there's a hypothetical situation for you, Ronan, on that, say you win a Grand Slam... You end up realizing afterwards you, you had sixteen men on the ball for a, for a final line out or some move, and the opposition say something after the match and appeal it. Does it taint the win for you hypothetically, or do you care as a, as a winning team? Ah, there has to be something in your conscience, even if it's for ten seconds having sixteen men on the pitch. It's 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 an error in that regard, I think. But um. What you need is you need action straight away because if it they're made aware of it and in the aftermath, um, obviously when it's a final it becomes extremely awkward because once there's uh, a prize giving ceremony, you can't really control the people' emotion and said, oh well, hold on, there's a potential uh, replay here because that's not how players think or or anyone thinks. But I think if there's uh, you mean if it was for 10 or 15 minutes playing with, with an extra man there's obviously probably a, a very solid uh, chance of a replay taking place but for the last three of a game uh, it's it, it's probably put into the sector of a yellow card or a red card in the game and it's a decision that the referee made during the game and it's live and mistakes happen you sometimes have to um swallow your pride take that and move on uh, but as you say when there's uncertainty the Friday after it it becomes a shambles yeah 
and we're uh, it's an amateur game and you add all that sort of stuff into the mix as well but look at um, there's plenty of people I'm sure uh, watching this morning going Jesus will you move on and stop talking to Ronan about it so we'll do that um, we were chatting a few weeks ago about sort of um, you agreed I think that you were able to bre- uh, breathe, literally breathe a bit easier I think when you were sat uh, well in the top 14 and sitting very well in the Heineken Cup now as well home tie um, in the knockouts confirmed does the environment around the place uh, reflect that like is it calm is it settled everybody knows what they're doing and everybody in good form and in good shape um, or no no it's obviously uh, a lot of work in progress Adrian you know I think um, every week has its own challenges we've Obviously, performed well in Europe. Now it's back into top 14. And top 14 is very, very, very competitive. An away game this weekend. And we're going to, to Racing, who are only three points behind us. So um, There's so much at stake, I suppose, in all these league games that it feels like you're playing Europe every week. But this is the our ninth game in a row. Um, so... It's asking a lot of the squad, but that means that you can rotate the team and it creates a good environment and creates a lot of competition for places. And uh, we're missing our French internationals this weekend, but that's not a problem. It's it's something we're probably ready for and something that uh, boys are looking forward to because it gives other squad members a go. Like when you compare it to previous seasons, even last season, do you have a sense at this stage of the season, like, I mean, maybe a little bit more than halfway through, that you're on the right track, that you know, there aren't great tweaks needed that if we can keep going, keep everybody fit, that we're going to be there or thereabouts? Um, I think, strangely, as, a, as, as the coach, you don't really think in generalities. You probably have to be a little bit more specific in where you need your game to get better. As you say, yeah, happy with this, happy with that, but not happy with that. We need to get better with this. Uh uh, but it's constant tweaking, and that's probably on a daily basis. I don't think you can have a general view. Obviously, you're judged on your games, but unless there's a kind of a big outlier, you'd like to think that what you're doing Monday to Friday will transfer to the pitch on a Saturday. Sometimes it doesn't work like that, and you get, um, I suppose, a left scratch in your head. But um, I suppose the last month has been pleasing in the fact that we have uh, consistency of results, which are wins, but not consistency of performance, which is a big difference. Is it tough, Ronan, when, you, when you've had a win like the Heineken Champions Cup last year and you're a winning team? Where you're probably at this stage now, this season, where you're like, "Geez, if we just if we just did everything the same as we did last year, we'll, we'll go on to win again." But the, the reality is, you always have to be, as a coaching team and as a set of players, moving on, finding new ways of finding motivation and, and keeping the thing moving. Like you, you, you have to keep adapting. You do, exactly. And I suppose, unlike in business, the big difference in sport, it moves quicker and you don't stay the same. While in business, you can stay the same. In sport, you can't. You either get better or you get worse. So there's times definitely where I felt we are, we're getting worse, but that would be, I suppose, the glass half empty in me. Then there's other times when you go, okay, as Adrian said, if we get uh, this, this, and this combination on the pitch with potentially uh, this I suppose, um, element of our game, right? I feel that we have um, most definitely the tools to to hopefully go along in both competitions. Is it is it about, on that, like, is it about 
tweaking your system and your plays and as you said there we need to do this better or that better or is it about sort of fitting different pegs into different holes given injuries or suspensions or whatever the case or or a little bit of both maybe it's not even anything as complex as that I think it's very much more basic what's happening I suppose in rugby now is uh, I mean the workload of the forwards is completely different to the back so you have depending on uh, how you um, decide who finishes the game you could have 13 minimum or 14 forwards preparing for a game so essentially only two finish the game that start and in the top 14 you're allowed to make numerous changes so I suppose tactical changes are hugely important so uh, with 14, 13 players getting that I suppose organisation and uh, level of efficiency right uh, in Eight players is challenging enough, but in in thirteen fourteen it becomes um, very challenging. But uh, that's what I suppose what makes the job exciting because depending on different combinations of how you set up in a lineup, whether you're going to launch your attack from a lineup or you, whether you prefer launching your attack from a phase game, it all depends on how we see the game and aligning that with your coaches, aligning that with your players, aligning that with the peop- the players who finished the game. Um, it sounds simple, yet the execution of it isn't that simple because, um, you know, I think how I set up teams is probably a skill set structure, a mindset. Skill setters are, from a coaching point of view, are okay. What does my head in is, is structure. Errors, which would be people getting their role wrong because we haven't prepared them well enough, not they haven't per se prepared themselves. It's it's my responsibility, so that's something that um, I need to that I do keep an eye on. But um, we are not um, as fluid as we need to be. How go on, Jay. Sorry, just just I was fascinated to read um, Jerry Jerry Thorny's piece in the Irish Times this week. Ronan, where he's talking about the Champions Cup pool stages at the moment and how bloated they are and how, I think the way he described it was it's belated urgency and, and jeopardy and, and it kind of only becomes crucial towards the end of the pool stages. What's your take on the current setup and the current, um, I guess, system in, in the Champions Cup? Is it is it perfect? No, no, it's far. I think maybe because... We were so used to it at the start that it just became ingrained in us the, the six pools of 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 four. But that that was, um, you know, what I mean, uh, absolutely perfect in an Irish model. In a French model, that really doesn't work because um, you mean there's already twenty six league games in France. So if you want another six uh, games in Europe, you, that's whatever thirty two without the playoffs for the league without the playoffs for Europe without internationals without the world championship uh, which is proposed to come in it, there's only a certain number of weeks in in the year so something has has to give where I think there's weakness in the current Champions Cup is the fact that um, you mean qualifying uh, for a team isn't the issue while before it was very difficult to qualify to get top of your pool which meant you go through now as you say uh, you know I mean if you finish eighth in your group you come up against one in the other group but uh, you're away and the odds are harder but you you can still uh, pull it off while um, the other the flip side I suppose is that where you look at Leinster La Rochelle Toulouse as they won their 
pool games and now um, their draw is more favourable because they have um, games at home, which is obviously a big advantage. Mm. It's gone back, according to the Telegraph, there was a report out mm. last night that it's gone back to that model of uh, pools of four. You're, that's obviously something you welcome. I don't see how that will get passed in France. Really? Yeah. That, well, sorry, that was just a talk on uh, kind of on the street in terms of inquiring why why isn't that? And mm. I think the the French presidents have uh, four free weeks, isn't it? But they don't have six free weeks. There's, that- there's capacity to get the European Cup in on on four weekends but not on six weekends Is that just a blip uh, Ronan the French team's kind of struggling a little bit this year obviously aside from yourselves and Toulouse maybe like there's no there's no underlying problem there No it's just very competitive you know and it depends on um, you know I suppose the background to this would be uh, traditionally with the top 14 at around uh, 15, 16, 17, 80 the data suggests that a lot of squads are riddled with injuries and, and, and it is the case because you're competing week in, week out uh, and there's no there's no break there's no periodization of the programming it's, it's, it's all on so some teams play on the two fronts, other teams don't treat Europe as seriously as uh, well, shall we say an Irish or a Welsh or an English teams would but I think when you come over and experience the 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 competitiveness of the top 14 you can understand that um, but you know I mean the URC teams have performed well some French teams um, have um, probably not got what they would have wanted out of the Champions Cup and, and um, like always there aren't any really hard luck stories just to come back slightly to what we were chatting about earlier on about your work on the pitch, are you? So you're ten years into it now. Is it, am I right about that? There, thereabouts. Yeah. Um, what are you in a position now where, particularly, obviously, given your role has changed over the last year and a half, are you in a position now where you're doing more of the stuff that you like, or like I was actually only thinking about it in the context of the Ian Coslo appointment of Munster as head of rugby direction uh, operations and how that might sort of relieve a lot of. Um, Potentially the work that Graham Rountree was doing, maybe that he didn't uh, have so much grow for that it might be an opportunity for him to focus a bit more on the stuff that he likes doing. What's your balance at the minute? Yeah, very simply, I do what I like and what I want. Otherwise, I don't think I get the best out of myself. If I don't get the best out of myself, how can I get the best out of players? It's very simple. It might mm. sound like a an aggressive answer, but it's not. I think the most important thing is you do what you love, you do what you enjoy. I don't work as I say I I challenge my passion every day that's what I do it's frustrating at times it's hugely rewarding at other times but I think if you can't work out in your head what's important or what you're good at and what you're not good at forget about it what's your favourite bit of it? on the pitch yeah right You in your examiner column this morning you're saying you've taken a bit of a step back from that Sorry, just in the fact where I, on the pitch, I don't need to be the referee in the fact when you're refing kind of games. I don't need to ref that. I can get someone else or I can share doing that. Because when you're the referee, you're, you're focused solely on that job. While mm. Maybe it's better. And maybe in six weeks' time, I could have a different opinion because as Shane said, you have to continuously adapt. But you can see where the space is. You can see where you're making errors as opposed to being 
wound up in the player's mentality where they're contesting some decisions and you're you're trying to referee it as, as best you can. That's not my skill. What do you find gets your most create like as part of that, what is the bit that you you're every week going right? That uh, the creative juices are gonna get going here. This is what I'm really looking forward to. Um I just I suppose um Ah, every day is very different because you're seeing, uh, you know, that's the difference, I suppose, being in a, in in camp and 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 judging on, for example, you seeing Ireland or Munster or Leinster for the eighty minutes at the weekend. When you're looking at the coach, you see a different side to them completely on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, and then the game might may or may not match up at all to what they've shown during the week and then as you add weeks and months on to that then it becomes a kind of I suppose a fascinating experiment because in your head you're kind of going well this guy should be ahead of where he actually is playing or performing at the minute and then when you have that multiplied by 35 it's it's, it's uh, there's a lot of thinking time in that mm. Fascinated when you're talking about that Ronan and the, the training ground uh, etiquette and stuff like Frank Lampard getting the sack from uh, from Everton this week we were kind of having this conversation earlier in the week where one of the Everton players I think it was Onana maybe was, was pointing out that Frank Lampard was, was one of the best players in training and, and he's the manager he's retired maybe doesn't speak too well to the to the quality that Everton were showing in training but is is there that aspect to it as well do you find that there's a there's a competitive aspect to yourself even when you're in training when the when the ball makes its no. way in your direction no 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 I'm completely washed up it's over that I just have to be careful from just uh, just from um, an injury point of view like some of the guys I wouldn't want uh, you know what I mean Batia the Fijian 7 12 uh, running into me because he could do untold damage and there aren't many like him thankfully still playing the game from well from people that play against us but um, you have to be on your toes because that guy you know he doesn't really like uh, running towards the sideline he he runs north south <laughs> to get out of his way <laughs> because whether you're the referee or not <laughs> I don't think he has that factored into his head when he's carrying the ball so um, yeah, you have to have a little bit of evasive skills, but I can tell you that has most definitely slowed down. The reactions are, oh no! Do you, well, do you ever throw the tea down in training? Like, is it like riding a bike, no, or is it no. completely different? Uh, as it, as no, in, like, do you have to keep practicing to be at that level, or is it you could pick up a tea and still kick to a to a certain percentage close to where you were? Oh no, it's it's. Unbelievably cold. I'm stiff. Bending down would be a, would be a success at this stage. Shane. Are you joking me? Not a chance. I could. No, no, no. Shane has no appreciation for the, the the man in his mid forties running. A bit exactly. More, a bit more sympathy for you. you know? Yeah, no sympathy. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the I was very uh, sorry. Surprise is not right, but uh, it's interesting to see your comments in the Examiner again this morning, just about your passion for that uh, that barbarian stride. Fifty years old. An incredible work and how it um, inspired you in some ways. Is that overstating it? No, it's exactly it. That's your your first memories are usually the ones that stay with you, and that's uh, you can see it perfectly, so vividly, like it's yesterday, you know. And these are all the guys that that made you dream and made you trace your own uh, dream. And um, yeah, I can picture that image absolutely. Uh, 
perfectly. The, yeah, Barbarians rugby is is very, very important, especially the way the game is going. I think that week we had in, in London this year playing the, the All Black 15 was um, was such a, a special week and such a, um, a refreshing week and um, a very enriching week. The uh, the commentary of that clip alone is uh, just outstanding. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, and there's obviously um, there are new uh, voices coming on that are marking the sport. But I think, as you can say, from um, over the years, uh, the commentary of of, of certain tries are, are the one that are etched in your brain. Cliff Morgan, well, he wasn't even supposed to be on the commentary. Bill McLaren got sick a couple of oh. hours beforehand and he got wheeled in. Love that. Woof. I mean, not as if Bill McLaren was any slouch himself, no. but geez, what a commentary. Yeah, <laughs> it was. We, uh, we were having a conversation on the show today, Ronan. You might have no answers for this whatsoever, um, but uh, it's a slot we've, we've kind of invented up. Your, your dinner party, your hypothetical dinner party, we've had this discussion with different sports people before, of, of sports people who are alive and well not necessarily still playing, but they can be retired from any sport, golf, tennis, boxing, rugby, football, snooker and darts, I know as well, is are a couple Oof. of options. Like if there were three sports, men or women, who you could, um, I suppose you have to be conscious of the dyna- dynamic at the dinner table as well here, but it's a conversation we're going to be having later in the show, so curious to get your thoughts. I know I'm putting you on the spot here. How many can I have? Three. All right. Typically me. I'll go... Roy, Barry McGuigan, Sonia, Johnny Sexton, Ronnie O'Sullivan, uh, myself, Paul O'Connell, um, Ruby Walsh, and um, Henry Shefflin. Tell you Joe what. Canning. Oh, that is. Um, see, the thing is, like, we're having this hypothetical, hypothetical conversation around it, like, we know it'll never happen. You could actually, that could end up happening. Do you know what, though? <laughs> you, you mightn't be great at maths, Ronan, but you, you'll, you're definitely good at organising a, a dinner party. I, mean, that's, well, that's, I think it's 10 there, but, but it's, a, it's a good dinner party. It's a little bit like the, um, the commentary, as you said. Um, Bill McLaren wasn't meant to do with Cliff Morgan, <laughs> nipped in. It's the same always, as you know, the same as going to the darts or the snooker. It's the, it's the, uh, the parties that aren't planned are the best ones. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like the one we'll have in December at the darts, 100%. <laughs> ah, that's a good part. That's a good dinner party there, lads. Party, Jesus. Yeah. You've, learned, you've put down the gauntlet to the rest of us. Thanks, influence. William. We'd have to, um, we'd have to have it in, in, uh, in, in Paul O'Connell's host though, because he has that big new table in the dining room <laughs> I haven't seen this yet is this on social media is it or oh no 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 I'm just actually making this up on the spot <laughs> sorry you've put proper right, thought yeah. into this you've got a venue sorted you know, as well he's got, the thing is now he's going to get asked about this at the next Ireland press conference <laughs> this will be the main topic in 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 uh, where does he go Liscanner is it I think down in the depths of Clare somewhere no, it'd be good though, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be a fly in the wall. There. Roger and Ronnie yeah. in the corner having chats right. about a- snooker. After we do the uh, the van to the darts in the summertime, that'll be the, the next road show after that. <laughs> good man. Thanks, um, Ronnie. All right, chat you later. Thanks, Thanks, Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. That's a pretty good uh, answer for uh, off the top of the head stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a, a listen back to those 10 answers, but I mean, Jesus. What, Barry McGuigan, Roger himself. All the all the corks. Yeah, Paul O'Connell, Sonia. Sonia. Roy. Uh, Henry, said, Joe Henry. Canning, oh. Johnny Sexton. Oh, imagine the the different myriad of conversations going on at that table. 
about elite sport. I like to think they talk about other things as well, but the conversation. It, it would need a big table. There'd nearly be too many there to have a good conversation. Sorry, I, I was thinking of asking him that question because it's on the fly and I, and I haven't given him any prep at all. We, we didn't <laughs> we didn't warn Ronan about that question. I'm thinking he's not going to be able to think of one here. Somebody and then he bangs out ten. Somebody made a good point. Uh, Emma there, just making a good point. Uh, so, uh, we were saying to him, oh, is he, has he got a new table? Is this such a... I mean, oh, no, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure Paul's, Paul's house is nice. It could well host it, so... Yeah, that's something I'm going to have to th- have a think of myself, a, a venue for the for this hypothetical dinner I'm party. I've still uh, only got one on my list, but anyway, I'll, right. have, to, I'll have to get working on that. I did have say we think. were talking about it for months. We came up with it a little bit earlier today. It's 20 past eight. It's OTBAM. Delighted to have you with us this morning. There's loads of comments coming in. Fergus Keogh says his dinner table will be Rory McIlroy, Patrick Reid and Roy Keane to roll his eyes at the pair of them. Oh. Well, you might sort of get a bird's eye view as to what the pair of them would look like up close and personal uh, if the golf continues as it is in Dubai at the minute because mm. they'll be the leading pair heading into the weekend. What a ma- You couldn't script it. Um, OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day during the ads we're going to see a short clip uh, from a Irish uh, Olympic hockey player e-scooter uh, racer Nikki Daly she's taking part uh, in our OTB Games room it's all in partnership with Virgin Media bring your A game with 99.9% broadband reliability she's up against Nathan in a game of FIFA and it's stunning is what it says here in front of me um, we're going to be back after that we're going to have some more uh, Kilmacud Glen chat as promised we're going to be joined by the former GA referee Morris Deegan for the ref's perspective on what happened last Sunday in Croke Park OTB AM uh, It's 25 past 8 and good morning to you and we've loads to come to the show we're going to have uh, John Duggan in the studio in just a little bit and he's going to have a little bit more fond reflections of that famous Barbarians try of 50 years ago now um, so we'll do that and he'll also tell us what's going on in the sports news update the tennis I'm sure and plenty more besides as well and uh, we're going to have an OTB panel a little bit later on uh, the topic up for discussion is who would be your three dream dinner guests from the world of sport who are currently alive so slightly hypothetical and then also not sort of so far-fetching that you know they do actually need to be alive we've had Ronan Agaras and I think none of the rest of us are going to get close is uh, what's happening there but plenty of people sending in theirs so please do that and then uh, we're going to have Shane's uh, stories as well from around the world of uh, stories that didn't make the headlines elsewhere so uh, we've got a slap for them. Mm, we'll give them their headline. We <laughs> found a home for them. <laughs> uh, before all of that, uh, we're going back to what has turned out to be the main story of the week. And delighted to say that uh, a well-respected former inter-county uh, referee, uh, retired now but long-standing, of course, um, Morris Deegan joins us on the line. Good morning to you, Morris. Morning, Andrew. Morning. How are you keeping? Shane, how are things? Good in yourselves? Good, good man. Good to, good to have you on again. Were you ever involved in anything like this that uh, that you can recall? Uh, nothing that I can recall of memory now, to be honest with you now, you know, but like it has happened in previous games down the years, like, but uh, nothing I'd say to such a high profile as this game. It's it's a ref's nightmare, isn't it? Uh, you, you look at, you'd feel, you, you, you're, you'd have to feel sorry for the referee, like at the end of the day, the rule states it's the team's responsibility and the team being chemical crocs and look chemical crocs aren't in a are not in a nice position either like you know what I mean but it's a, it's the it's chemical crocs responsibility that they have 15 on on the field but to be fair it's the referees and the linesmen and the fort officials job to control that so mm-hmm. It's it it really is a very unfortunate situation, both there, on the Glen, both on chemical crooks, both on the referees and team of officials. For sure, there's clearly a grey area, even as you describe it. There, 
which is partly yeah. sort of the source of the confusion here. There, there is like, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, there is. Look at this, this rule six four four that everyone is talking about. It's plain and black and white as, as to what what should happen when um, when this when this arises. But as, as the saying goes, like probably the biggest problem is I'd say all week, all week is that for all, all people that the decision should have been probably made quicker. What is the substitutions process in in Gaelic football at the moment, Morris? And the fact that I've I've actually I've played Gaelic at club level and I'm still asking this question speaks volumes. Like, you know, sometimes club level you bring on the, the piece of paper, hand it to the referee, certainly at underage, and and that's the substitution made. And it's not like soccer where the the, the fourth official is standing there with the board and they're checking the boots and the player comes off and only then the, yeah. the other player comes off. What's the actual process in uh, in a game like like last weekend? Look, if we're going to go by last weekend's look with club, you know yourself, uh, as you said yourself, Adrian, you come in, you've only the referee to deal with, so obviously you bring the slip into the referee and he'll he'll take the slip and you'll you'll come on and the other player will go off. But in we'll say uh, last Sunday's situation, what would it, what would have happened was you'd have having like the referee wouldn't be involved at all. He'd only be told when the when the when the when the substitutes would be coming in and coming out, he would stop the game, and would generally would be would always be sorry a break and play. Um, what would happen then is the obviously the secretary of either club would give the the substitute slips to the fourth official. He would then let the linesman on, uh, or he would let the referee know, and the referee would obviously hold up the game until until the process was was finished. Mm. But uh, there was so much going on. I'd say last Sunday uh, was in injury time. You had um, it was in injury time. You had there was only two points in it. Uh, the Lions were standing under forty five for the for the for the uh, for the line. The, the fourth official. I'd say the two teams were coming at him left, right, and centre to. To, to try one probably getting on to him about the time, the other one then trying to get in the subs, and uh, just it was just very uh, a very unfortunate situation. The, uh, the one thing that's been mentioned is that Maliki O'Rourke obviously had spotted this and had said to the one of the officials, the linesman said, "Listen, could we retake the forty-five? Which would have seen a look at hindsight is great, and you get to spend four or five days thinking about it and think, well, that might have been a good thing to do. But at that time, was it just?" Because it would seem like a very obvious thing to, to for them to have just acknowledged it at that time, retaken the forty five and let there be no sort of doubt about the outcome. At that time, is it just the mayhem that you described, Morris, that sort of kicks in and you know heads have sort of gone a little bit on all sides, or what's your sense of how that didn't happen? I suppose. I, I think I think it's a little bit like that. Like you know, it would have been hard to say, look, let's retake the forty five. If the ball had a drop in, and if Conor lasted a score to go and turn around to him, and would Maliki have said, <laughs> would he have said, would he have said to the forty fish forty five? I don't think so. Do you know that type of thing? It was just very unfortunate. But like the biggest problem was that, uh, like the decision probably should have been made earlier on it, and I'm I'm sure everyone is in agreement with that. You mean earlier, as in the GA should have come out so, uh, sooner after the game? 
Probably, yeah. Probably should, yes. Someone should have come out and made a decision on it straight away, like, you know, so... Uh, that would be my opinion. I'm sure you're obviously you're obviously the same opinion as myself. I think there was there was and John Fogarty is writing about it in the Examiner this morning that there he says here they were uh, uh, looking to avoid the the uh, silence on it. Were they were looking to avoid a precedent that they would fear, as he says here, uh, would rock the organisation that the uh, CCCC acted the way that they did last Monday, as in to not say anything publicly um, and as John points out not that it was welcomed by everybody else but that that was kind of the rationale behind it um, the, as you say and as we discussed a little bit earlier on there's obviously that grey area between it being Croke's responsibility but the officials uh, also having to organise that there's an opportunity here now to fix all this and to put it right what's the yeah. what would you like to see happen? Well well like it's very, it's very easy. I'll just give you an example. I, I know I, I'm looking at a different sport altogether, but if you look at American football, okay, and they have twenty different players or whatever it is, you were supposed to have, uh, you're supposed to have uh, whatever amount of players on the pitch. If you have one more or one less, it's a penalty against you straight away. Aren't I correct in saying that? That'd so be, yeah, therefore, yeah, a flag on the field. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you know what I mean? So, do we go down that that road? Uh, like, you have to have the player off before you can start. If the player is still on the pitch, um, if the player is still on the pitch, do we create a penalty against the 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 offending team? Um, do we look at that sort of rationale? Uh, maybe so, uh, because it'll make more teams aware of the situation. Um, I think that might be a way to go. And I can guarantee if you do it after two or three matches, everyone will be aware of it and it won't happen again. That speaks to more eyeballs needed in some ways. Paul Ganey was on the show yet with us yesterday and he was pointing out the fact that, well, he was talking about rules and, and, and things in, in Gaelic football that, that he'd like to see changed. He'd like to see more, you know, maybe the, the two referees scenario, which is probably doable at either county level, maybe not so much at club level, uh, resources wise. But you need more eyes. You know, it, it can't just be on one man or woman. Yeah, like, I think we spoke about this before. I think, uh, especially at, at, at club level, like the, the problem is if you bring this in at inter county level, you're probably going to have to follow it all the way through down to club level. And as you said earlier, Adrian, like the biggest problem is resources uh, with referees. There's not probably enough. Re- re- there's not probably enough referees at, at club level anyway. Uh, and maybe you might get away with it uh, inter county level, but like resources is a big is a big issue. Like as regards referees, yeah. one of the things that cropped up in the in the day or two afterwards, certainly being reported, Morris, was the fact that this wasn't in the referees' report. This incident at the weekend. Um, like we're not going to throw the referee under the bus necessarily, but were you surprised that an incident like this wasn't in the referee's report? Given, as we said, Maliki Rook for one was was gesturing the, uh, on the sidelines about it. Uh, that's the first now. I, that's the first I heard of it. Now, and I'd say at the moment in time, I'd say that the referee filled out the report as is, but um, like it's very easy to go back and. It's the same old adage, like, we'll wait on the referee's report. Do you know what I mean? So he he just filled out his report as is, like, but maybe a little bit surprised it wasn't in it, like. 
one of the periphery things that has come out of it as well, um, I think it was Robbie Brennan after the match pointing out that the substitutions, and we understand this, substitutions were made for you know to, to run down the clock, which you know oh, yeah, if, exactly, if, yeah. if you're the team that's two points ahead in the Ireland Club final, I totally understand that. Do you know if I was Robbie Brennan, I'd have done the exact same thing and made you know in making a couple of substitutions to bring the clock down. Does it speak to something that that needs fixing on that front, Morris? Like we saw in the in the, the football World Cup recently, the added time being seven, eight, nine, ten minutes to to kind of stamp out that that whole area of time wasting, and and it's 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 a constant issue and thorn in, in GEA. Is that something that needs locked out out of last weekend? Look, the 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 rule is the rule is there that uh, it's a minimum. If they say three minutes, it, it's a minimum of three minutes. Mm. So therefore. When they say a minimum of three minutes, if a substitute is made in that time, you're going to add on the time for the substitute. But then what happens, then what comes back is it can also, it can bite the referee another way in that if he adds on, if there's three minutes you've played and he adds on an extra minute then because of the substitutes and the, a team scores a goal, everyone then turns around and starts going, oh, well, he played an extra minute. He played an extra minute instead of the three so referee can win regardless of what happens. But you're right in what you're saying. Are we better off to go down the road of what the way the soccer was? Are we better off that if we say a minimum of three minutes and if there is uh, two or three substitutes in it, then it goes to four minutes or whatever the time may be. Yeah, I think the... Um, is the soccer... Ad- adopting soccer, soccer is obviously... Uh, Slight sort of, we're slightly allergic to it in the GA, but that, uh, you're, you're not coming on until you come off. Yes. Can we just do that? That's, like? that, that? that's the way. That's probably the way it should be like. Do you know what I mean? That makes too so, much sense though. <laughs> for the GA. But that's, the way, <laughs> but that's the way it should be, Adrian. Like, you don't start the game until the, the player does, until the player goes off and the other player comes on. That's the way it should be. And if the player is walking off or whatever, I'm presuming that's where they get all this extra time in the soccer line. Does the referee, like when you, Shane asked about the report. It's the only. Sorry, Morris, I know there's a slight delay on the line there. I don't know if you have us now. I just wondered about the point about the referee's report and as to whether, is that just, are you left to your own devices on that? Like, are you talking to your, when you come off the pitch, are you talking to your um, assistants, the linesmen, the umpires? Is there anybody around the GA or Croke Park chatting to you about that or is that just, are you just doing that on your own? Uh, no, no, no. To be fair to, to be fair to Croke Park, like it's up to the it's up to the referee and up to the individual to fill out his own match report. Yeah. It's the same in any instance. Like, do you know, uh, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be fair uh, on, on anybody. So it's up to the referee to fill out the match report uh, and and uh, to do whatever he or she uh, needs fit to put in that report. Yeah, just in the sense of it not featuring, and like you would have assumed, if the ref is speaking to as it was on Sunday, his lines, uh, um, his assistants, that surely it's somebody. It's just remarkable that it didn't get, uh, it didn't come up, of course, and that might have um, hastened things on a small bit as well. I'm interested to, see, to hear, Morris, in terms of the the outcomes and the three outcomes that we've been we've been hearing all week as as possibilities. You know, the fine for Kilmacud, the replay, or the title being yeah. stripped from Kilmacud. What do you feel is the is the fair and most likely outcome? Perhaps they're two different things. Well, sure. Obviously, it's, it's the elephant in the room. 
the fairest the fairest is probably a replay. Uh without without like you know what I mean and uh, it's probably not fair on the likes of Kim McCord is and to be fair it's not fair on 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 either either team but uh, obviously in everyone's eyes the fairest is definitely the replay. And I'm sure uh, yourself uh, and Shane would agree and Adrian would agree that that is the, the fairest outcome. Yeah, it's just such an absolute mess for everybody. Mm. And there's uh, that's the one oh, thing that I think no matter is, what yeah. side of the fence you're sitting on, that's, uh, we can all agree on that. Kamara, it's the, the National League is obviously back this weekend. Are you looking at that now? Because we've had a chat with you obviously a couple of months back about your retirement. Are you looking at that now going, oh, the, the bit of grass coming out again and I wouldn't mind uh, if I was on the road this weekend? <laughs> I'll be in. Uh, I'll be down in uh, Wardford uh, on a hike with my wife on Sunday. That's where I will be on Sunday. So I'm going to get to do the things that I couldn't do for the last twenty years. So I'm starting to enjoy that side of things. I thought you were about to say I'll be down in Walsh Park watching, and I was like, "Geez, you haven't left at all." But no, no, that's much better. <laughs> Hike's much better. <laughs> And keeping an unleash on no, that's a better excuse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to enjoy these times, Morris. Hundred percent. You've done your, you've done your shift, Morris. Ah, look, as I said to you before, lads, I enjoyed my time when I was there. I have no regrets, and uh, look, at, uh, it's, it's time to move on to something else. Yeah. Well, look at on that note, uh, we will chat to you again down the track. Thanks a million. Enjoy the hike. All right, take care, boys. Good luck. Thanks a million. Morris Deegan, former uh, inter-county referee, well-respected voice in the game as well, and worth having on this morning. Uh, it is 8.41, and you're watching RTPM, and there's loads of comments coming into us about all sorts of stuff, and uh, do keep those comments coming in, whether it's your dinner party guests or whatever it is, and we'll come to that a little bit later on. John Duggan, good morning to you. Adrian and Shane, how was the form? Three dinner party guests, JD. I don't mind uh, flinging this at you now because we threw it at Ronan Agar earlier on and uh, he off the hoof came up with ten. Not the park. We're not looking for are ten. Are these sporting or? Three sporting guests or for, -sporting. Uh, for dinner. Sporting that are still alive. Don't have to be still playing, but definitely still with us in every regard. I can read out some of the comments to give you a moment there, John, uh, because we've had a few. My dinner table will be Michael Jordan, uh, John Daly, Bo Jackson, says Darrow too. Peter Mahoney would have to be dinner party. Security in case anything kicks off. That's a fair point. Someone says, John Walters, Roy Keane, Boris Becker. Um, <laughs> I just, the Walters and Keane thing, I get they'd have a bit of a row. Yeah, it's fair. Bar Boris Becker, is he, is he still, I mean, I know he's still alive and all that, but is he, is he in a prison or out of prison? In prison. Oh, he's out of prison. He's out uh, of prison, is he? Yes. Danny Mack says, Maliki O'Rourke, Shane Hannon, Usain Bolt. Obviously, Usain will be asked to leave. Fair point. Yeah, uh, leave myself Maliki to have to have the chats. Uh, there's a few decent ones there. That that's it's not an easy one to come up with. I know John, you'll probably have a good answer for non-sporting guests as well. Rory Larmer, good morning, man. Paul McGrath, Roy Keane, and Ali McCoist. The crack will be mighty. McCoist, good shout, yeah. Yeah, McCoist and Keane, of course, good good. You watch enough time, Jeddy. No, I mean my mind is I've, I've about, probably about three million things going on at the moment. So to be honest, I probably needed the heads up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, we've been. Do you have one? Do you have one name, John? No, no, I mean, Standard. when you have three million things going on and you, you get a curveball, so sometimes you can get a curveball, it works, and sometimes it doesn't, so I'd rather, I'd, I don't want to give a stupid answer. Yeah, I'd actually, actually, it's something I'd rather think about, to be honest. I we'll talk about the barbarians in a minute, but before all of that, the tennis is unfolding. Yeah, and Stefano sits a pass of Greece is into the Australian Open men's singles final, so a four-set winner over Karen uh, Hachinov in Melbourne, and he'll now play Novak Djokovic or Tommy Paul 
they meet this morning. In terms of the golf, he couldn't make this up. Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy tied at the top of the Dubai Desert Classic on six under par. Uh, Shane Larry level par for his opening round. He's only through six holes of it. The other two guys are on six under in the clubhouse. Uh, Man City Arsenal in the FA Cup tonight. Five points between them in the Premier League. Eight o'clock start at the Etihad. They go all out for Arsenal, JD. I just don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I don't think it would be a good idea to have a kind of a, a weakened team and then get thumped 4-0 by City psychologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, look, for example, if Leander Trossard can play, he should play. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting um, dynamic at, at the Emirates, uh, sorry, the Etihad Stadium tonight with Arsenal on the road. Obviously, you've got the leagues, as you said, um, you know, back the, this weekend in, in Geta Games. Um, Division 2, floating your boat, John. Dublin, Kildare, Croke Park. Well, um, I think it'll be a great thing to go to as a kind of a, if you want to start maybe transitioning out of a dry January uh, responsibly and... Uh, now you might have this this weekend at Croke Park. You might go to the rugby over the next few weeks. You might go try and go to the France game. I know you probably try to go Adrian, being the rugby man. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I think it's a good thing if you want to get out and about and, and see a game like Dublin Kildare Croke Park won't be full, will it? Um, so I think that it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what what t- type of team Desi Farrell picks uh, mm. tomorrow evening. And also, um, I think when I'm reading about all the previews about all the counties, a lot of it is about what counties don't have as opposed to what counties could do. Yeah. So I think Derry winning the Dr. McKenna Cup is a could-do. Armagh is a could-do. Monaghan is potential could-do, whereas with Kerry you're seeing, OK, no more, no Clifford's probably for a while. Um, well, 10 of the 15 from the All-Ireland final missing for the first week or two. You know, with, with, uh, with, with Mayo you're seeing no Mullen, no Keegan. With Galway they've got injuries. So uh, I think the Ulster teams actually could do quite well in the league this year. I'm uh, I'm 27 days into my dry January. I'm gonna, well I'm gonna, done. I'm going to stick stick it through for this weekend as well and get. Well, to, that's get to February, I was interested to see JD there saying you could start to transition out of it. I mean, it's still technically January. Yeah, you you got to hold it. You got to hold yeah, out. How are you feeling? I feel uh, clarity of thought. The last three weeks, I have to say, you know, uh, sleeping better, feeling better. Is it the longest you've ever given it up? No, I, I actually did a dry January. It was either last year or the year before, and I did it till the end of March. Yeah. Just inadvertently, I planned to do just January and mm. kept it going to the end of March. But it's, you definitely feel better for it. It's the sleep, I find. It, yeah, I think. sleep is massive. Adrian, are you on any of these? Uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, it's not. I don't have enough of a life for it to be a factor <laughs> for me either way, but I'm definitely not. Uh, I, I actively am dead against any sort of New Year's resolutions. Or purging. I'm dead against any kind of a dry January. My only experience in my uh, existence, 45 years on the planet, of giving it up for a little period of time ended on uh, ended up with going back on it the first night I went back being an absolute uh, that's the thing blowout well. of a waking up in a different country kind of thing oh, well it was in Australia but I did <laughs> also start out in Australia fall into a canal not in a good yeah. exactly no, uh, yeah. not in a good shape so um, and like it's a classic old <clears throat> Irish poor attitude to alcohol thing yeah. that's my view on it but look it's, uh, I'm not uh, I, Jesus I wouldn't for a second discourage people for if you can as you say transition out of it a little bit responsibly at the end um, yeah. you, you, I think I find myself going to the gym more and, and, go, and going running more it, it, uh, it ties in nicely with after a while you don't miss it like the last three years I'm not, not this year the last three years I've given it up until you April. did a good chunk didn't you yeah 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 the last three years I've given up until April are you doing the same now or I'm uh, probably going to give up till Patrick's Day around yeah. that weekend because Ireland play England that weekend I wouldn't mind going to it after oh, yeah. so, uh, but I had, to go, I had to go to a function in early January so I couldn't start from the, uh, so I think the last time I had a drink was about the 16th or something um, but actually, when you know, if you do have a few beers, you don't miss it after a while. Yeah, and, and look, I feel sorry for publicans during, during January as well because it's not an easy month for them. But like, I went to the pub with my mates this week, and they were drinking pints, and I was on the, the zero the zero pints. So you're still, still contributing to the economy of the pub, 
but you're just not not drinking your alcohol. If you have a craving, and once again, this is all should be responsible, and you know, we want to stress that. But if you do have a craving, a couple of glugs of Heineken Zero or any Zero, and you're fine. Placebo. It, it sorts the craving immediately. Yeah. You're getting a taste of beer. Well, that's it. But then you can put it down and you're fine. It's just that, oh, that I've just... It's something to have in your hand, I find. Mm. I, I, I'd, hate to be sit, I'd hate to be sitting there, you know, with a glass of water or or nothing. Because I'd be like, well, jeez, what am I... You, you know. could have like a Coke or 7-Up or something. You, you actually don't want to hang around... You don't actually want to hang around pubs because you don't want... True. If you're not in the, the loop of bullshit conversation and nonsense conversation... If you have a Heineken Zero in a... You just get bored. Yeah, completely. If you, if you have a Heineken Zero in a Heineken, regular Heineken glass, people don't ask you questions. They're like, oh, he's drinking. You know, you don't have to put up with the, why are you not drinking? If you're um, preparing for nonsense conversation, I'm watching OTM well, during the week. It is, happens. Uh, it's a good uh, good foundation for it. Well, I've had, I, I've, I would uh, say especially this week, but um, that's my bias coming out. I've uh, Monaghan Armagh on my schedule tomorrow evening in Castle Blaney. Um, love those smaller grounds under lights during the National League. First game, good local derby. Mm. I'm a, I was born in Armagh, so this, this game means everything to me. You ah, are... Really. Charlie High, I've just realised there is not a county in the country that you don't have some sort of an affiliation with. I was just, I just born in a hospital in Armagh, Newry. Um, the Hollands of Armagh. This is it. Hey, but Newry County Down. See, no, uh, half of Newry's in Down, half is it. So my sister, older sister, was born in the Down side of Newry, and the other three of us were born in the Armagh side of Newry. Two what? different hospitals. Yeah, Newry splitting. And what decided that? I don't know. Um, I was born in Daisy Hill Hospital, which is on the Armagh side of the the Newry divide. It's you, you learn something new every day, lads. Nuries in both. Right. Uh, it's more famously in down, of course. But uh, yeah, you, you've got a bit of Armagh in there as well, straggling the border. Um, but I, I can't wait for it. Straggling the border. Straggling <laughs> the border, hey. I, I, I'm buzzing for, for this, the National League. I love it every year. Monaghan, of course, the, the team that have been in Division 1 for the second longest stint after Kerry. Ninth year in Division 1. I mean, we just always stay up, stay up by the skin of our teeth. Hopefully this year they can do it again. A win in the opening game is important. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> Colin's cracking himself out there about something or other. God knows. Right. Um, um, yeah, so 50 years today, uh, yes. 27th of January 1973, the Barbarians team played New Zealand in Cardiff. And there was four Irish players on the Barbarians team. Willie John McBride, Fergus Lattery, Mike Gibson and Ray McLaughlin. And then the second minute of the game, this happened. Almost on the halfway line, Kirkpatrick to Williams. This is great stuff. Phil Bennett covering. Chased by Alistair Scott. Brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. John Williams. Brian Williams. Pulling. John Dawes. Great dummy. David. Tom David. The halfway line. Brilliant by Pinnell. This is Gareth Edwards. A dramatic start. If you've never seen it, check it out on social because the greatest try I've ever seen. I won't see a better one. Obviously, people have their own opinions, but I wish rugby was played. Maybe I'm uh, a relic or ill-informed, but I wish rugby was played like that nowadays because it was a game of evasion then rather than collision and it's just breathtaking stuff. Cliff Morgan. Yeah. What a score. He wasn't supposed to be in commentary. Yeah, Bill McLaren got sick of the flu or something and Cliff Morgan, who was an executive, a former Welsh international, uh, was an executive of the BBC at the time, just stepped in and... uh, if I had a few zeros on me, sometimes I do that kind of um, commentary in a bad way. Let's go to Edwards! A dramatic start! What a score! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for anyone driving who just crashed. Uh, that's that's not bad. It's not bad, John. It's um, it, what what uh, it's so early in the game, as you say, yeah. and uh, like it, it's basically it's Wales, right? With yeah. like John Pollan thrown in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lads, it's Wales. <laughs> 
that there was like six or seven Welsh players and England's John Pullen thrown in and as you yeah. say um, like just the, the commentary as, as so often the clip is made by the commentary yeah and the crowd and like 1973 it's not as advanced as now only four points for a try they missed the conversion which is funny yeah. and it just set the tone for a match that the Barbarians won 23-11 Phil Bennett tells a great story about he was one of the players uh, key players involved in that and sort of came back towards his own goal line and he tells a great story about how they had uh, the Scarlets had played the All Blacks it might have been the week beforehand and the All Blacks blindside kept running up but ran too quickly at him so it was really easy to he was like you're coming too quick if you just slow down, you'd actually get me. Mm. But you're running at me too quick, so he'd easily evade him. So he was running back in that game, is, is famous in the clip, and you can see the blind side coming at him. And he sees him over his shoulder and he's like, right, well, that'll be grand because he's going to run too quick and I'll easily run around him. What he doesn't account for in this game is that there's another five All Blacks yeah. breathing down his neck straight away <laughs> afterwards. But that, then he starts to sidestep and fling the ball out. And it's like that sort of over, you know, that those sort of passes was a Quinnell sort yeah. of later in the game. The one-hand passes out just breathtaking skill as you say at that time it's just freedom it's a pure freedom of it as you say the word evade and it's let's get it out to the wings let's just go for this and just the, the joined up thinking um, and the, the the abandon of the whole thing the loose abandon it's uh, it's brilliant stuff and I think there's a lunch today with about a thousand people at it I don't know where it is I presume it's in, probably in Wales or something but uh, Gareth Edwards will be at it today and I think Willie John McBride's going to be at it so yeah, there's a lot of those players and uh, people that have passed away. And yeah, something like Phil Bennett being one of them. Sometimes uh, we can get involved in uh, other people that are quite cynical about nostalgia. But I do think these things are important things to highlight and to remember just because it happened in the past. I think knowing your history is important when it comes to sport. And um, this was one brilliant part of history. First press conference I ever covered was a pre-Six Nations uh, in a Cardiff City Centre hotel for Wales, just the Wales... You know, the way it wasn't like uh, it was the entire Six Nations preview press conference um, with just the Wales team. And uh, it would have been 1997, probably. Um, and uh, Cliff Morgan was there. Um, wow. I presume he must have been working in some sort of a thing. And I spotted my moment to go and uh, have a chat with him and, and interviewed him about a few various bits of pieces. I didn't realise at that time, you mentioned about he was an executive of the BBC. He yeah. was a very high-ranking executive. Yeah, yeah. He might have been, in fact, I'd need to double-check this, but running the BBC Sport section of it at some point or another. Uh, but I remember talking to Rob Howley. I think my, I must look back in this one as well. Jonathan Davies might have been there. Mm-hmm. I my, One of my main memories is when I, I was, so I would have been about 19 at that time. Um, and I would have looked about 10 or 11 and one of my main memories would be that unfortunately I've lost that uh, capacity JD I do now look my age unfortunately Um, was the Quinnell brothers Um, not in a we're all having a laugh sort of a way but in a real shitty sort of a way taking the mick out of me they were like, oh, you know, who's this? Uh, they were they were sort of sneering and laughing and trying to get some of their buddies involved in a bit of a chat about. It. I don't, uh, I don't like wake at night about it. It was, um, <laughs> it was uh, as the great man would say, it was just banter. But um, <laughs> it was, yeah, that was that was my memories of it. it. Was it was in hindsight at that time, it was under like a college assignment going in to cover a press conference. You were living in, of, oh, you were living part of, yeah, yeah, a bit of live experience in the field. I never knew at that time what I was actually walking into, you know. You yeah, know, so yeah. It was yeah, like the no, collection of players it, it be, and stories. It was quite intimidating and I was in the same boat when I started off uh, going to Ireland Press Conference in 1998 for the, um, I think it was the Wales game, speaking to Keith Wood and uh, and it was Pat Whelan at the time and yeah, it, oh, is, yeah. It, is, it is quite intimidating. Beautiful segue, by the way, to let you know, folks, <laughs> that at half one tomorrow we've got Brian O'Driscoll 
extended interview on the Six Nations Championship, a pre- full preview of the tournament, and also his top five memories from his own career. It's mad how those... That'll be a, a brilliant show uh, tomorrow. It's mad how the moments like that where he wasn't supposed to be the commentator on the day. It's just little sliding doors. It was the same with Tilsley that he took over from Brian Murr. And 99 was his first Champions League final. And, you know, he's sitting there after six minutes or whatever it was and Basler scores the free kick. And he thinks he's got the commentary wrong because he says deflected and in. So he's there. He's, he said he was sitting there for the entire game going, my first Champions League final, Bayern are going to win 1-0. The English team haven't won and I've got the only goal wrong. I've called it wrong. Mm. Nobody remembers didn't that. Deflect. And then, of course, the rest happens and tells these mm. most famous moments happen in the in injury time. So it's funny how it happens. S- similar stories, you know, it, it can just... It can work out for commentators sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and also, as interesting you said about Cliff Morgan, David Attenborough was the controller of BBC Two mm. uh, in the late 60s, and he, he brought snooker, uh, your Colour, yeah. yeah, to oh. to to the TV. So, he's to blame. So yeah, he's to blame. Thank you, David Attenborough. <laughs> that's uh, that's your little uh, little nugget of information today. <laughs> One o'clock tomorrow. Um, yeah. uh, off the ball news talk. Jenny. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks really so much. Enjoy that. Thanks a lot. It is uh, five to nine. There are plenty of comments still coming into us about uh, all sorts of different stuff. Fergus Kyo says if Adrian did a dry January, he'd have to also give up cheese, and that'd be very unfair. Yeah, that'd be tough now. Would you rather give up wine or cheese? I can't. Uh, it's not that I can't have one without the other. Oh, fair. I fair, find fair. it hard to have cheese without wine, although. I can I can definitely have wine without the cheese if you get me. We should have like a middle class siren that plays. What's the, like what's middle class cheese about cheese? Without, I can't have cheese without wine. I didn't say it. In anything, <laughs> I didn't you. quite say oh, it like that. Shame, but thank you. No, for, no, no, no. no but it's a ver- I, I understand. It's like having steak and red wine. Things, some things pair exactly. well together. And that's I don't need to make any apologies for that. It's Fish like and white the, wine. The cheese and wine is as old as time. Oh. Did you mean to rhyme that? I didn't, but it's come out that way, so let's keep rolling with it. The old, all right, I love that. Um, uh, Dennis Ryan says uh, Michael Verdi, Grania Walsh and Marcelo uh, Bielsa mm. Offaly and Argentina you also mix. need a fourth seed for, um, for uh, translator that's fair yeah 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 yeah. now sorry Grania speaks Italian Marcelo probably speaks all right. Italian so the slot we've all been waiting for um, or yeah sure it's around the world with Shane <laughs> new slot are we still calling it new I don't know if we are but um, everyone in the comments for the next while for the next maybe 5-10 minutes however long we, we decide to take this if you've anything negative to say just don't bother saying it 3 or 4 minutes 3 or 4 minutes I've got a minute on each topic do I fill, fill this slot with praise so we can keep it going so I have reasons in production meetings to say see those 3 people have said something nice about it Adrian so uh, I know this this doesn't make you feel good Adrian to, to kind of have some positive stories on a Friday I know it's tough heading into a weekend to, to look at the world with a glimmer of positivity but that's what I'm going to do folks I'm going to bring some, some nice stories they're not always nice stories but most of them tend to be we're heading first on Around the World this week to Miami, Florida United States of America this is a, this is a bit of a nice story so there was a young fan from Argentina um, who was left devastated I know Adrian you were watching the basketball last week Jimmy Butler name for all the Irish fans of the NBA uh, who will be, be familiar with him. Um, he was supposed to be playing in a match on, tu- on uh, Tuesday night um, and this young young fan had flown 4,405 miles, as his, uh, his poster said. The Heat were taking on the Boston Celtics. This was on Tuesday night. Uh, and Jimmy Butler was ruled a late scratch due to a back injury. He couldn't play. As you can imagine, the kid who had travelled all the way to just see his hero Jimmy Butler play was left devastated. So we, we have a clip here from NBA on TNT that, uh, that highlights just how sad 
this young lad was at uh, finding out that Jimmy Butler couldn't play. On the internet right now, he finds out that his favorite player, Jimmy Butler, not going to play. His sister, they're both from Argentina. You could tell they're crushed. Well, there's two silver linings. Number one, this is the power of TNT Tuesdays. Yes, it is. Got him down there on the court, met Gabe Vincent, got some gifts. Thank you for the gifts. And Jamal, you have talked to Jimmy Butler. I talked to Jimmy Butler. Uh, Obviously, he's really, really sick, and he couldn't make it to the game. He was watching the game on TNT. And he saw the kid, and he felt really, really bad. So he has the kid's information. Mm. And let's just say the kid will be even happier than he would have if he played. So I'm really, really excited. That's the Jimmy Butler I know. Yeah. I mean, so he gets down to, to the courtside. He gets his little few bits of uh, memorabilia and merchandise. So you're thinking, oh, this is, this is quite nice. He's, he's flown all the way from Argentina, not completely for naught. Himself and his sister get the jersey, get the basketball. Jamal Crawford saying that uh, Butler had a surprise for the child as well. So we weren't sure what that, what that other surprise would be. Now, he, he actually saw a brilliant game. So the uh, NBA All-Star, Bam Adebayo, um, had 30 points and 14 rebounds. Look at that photo. This is the following day. Jimmy Butler meets the kid on the Wednesday, the day after the match, and uh, he surprises him on court uh, and, and, and made it up to him. So the, this child's name is Felipe. Not only, look at him, he's getting a tour of the, the Heat facilities with his sister and his entire family were there as well. Some lovely moments. Jimmy Butler, his hero. They say, Adrian, always, what is the, what is the phrase? Don't always meet your heroes because mm. you could be left disappointed. I don't know who your sporting hero was growing up. I had a moment, similar to Felipe there, where I... Outside Healy Park and home, I met Michael Donlan, the former Galway player, uh, who was playing for my, my dad's club, the Moore McHills, and uh, I just idolised the man. And I remember meeting him outside the team bus and getting an autograph and a photo and all the rest, um, and being completely overawed, similar to how young Felipe was there. It, sometimes you meet your heroes and I think you're left disappointed. Mm. Um, I don't have many examples of that. Roy Keane was one where completely point blank ignored me when I was about seven or eight at the United game over right. Old Trafford in 01. Um, have you had any instances of that where you were either left overjoyed or completely disappointed by meeting a hero? Um, not really. Like, um, it's not that I'm entirely joyless, but I don't uh, tend to... Thanks like, for clarifying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, um, not really, to be honest. I don't have anything... I remember going to uh, Everton play at Town when I was a kid, and I was an Everton fan at that time. Um, and uh, I remember going to the game, Neville Southall played, Kevin Sheedy was there, it was uh, Tony Cotty... Unbelievable oh, yeah. um, team at that time. Uh, not so much now. Um, and uh, getting loads of autographs and stuff. Positive sort of experience about it. Um, it does strike me that that kid is going to kick off a spate. You can be absolutely certain of uh, people, sign holding kids, going to games now where they know a player is probably not going to be involved with like, a, oh, I can't wait to see X at the game today. Mm. And then for them not to turn up. But uh, lo and behold, we're going to give you all these jerseys and... Cynical, slightly cynical view, but a little bit cynical, but uh, understandable. The Everton fandom stopped then. Ah, yeah. Over time, just naturally. Yeah, I just stopped supporting any of them because it was just fickle to you. Well, it just I understood at a certain point <clears throat> that it meant nothing to me, and I was just doing it because my mates were doing it, and I would watch <clears throat> any game for any game of football at any time. I just have no affiliation. Okay, that's fair. No, but but I think I think that the overall point I was trying to make with that piece is. Do meet your heroes. Don't be afraid to meet your heroes. And, and he saw a great game. Miami were, were 10 points down in the fourth quarter, 15-0, and uh, in that in, run late in that fourth quarter to win and beat the Boston Celtics 98-95. So Felipe was a, a good luck charm in the end as well. And he got to meet Jimmy Butler. That's the first story, a positive story. Let us know in the comments. Have you ever met your hero, your sporting hero? Have you been left disappointed? Have you been left absolutely over the moon? Just, just a thought. Our next story.
in around the world this morning, on this Friday morning with myself and Adrian, is uh, heading to Melbourne, Australia. Bit of a strange one. Novak Djokovic's father um, being filmed. So you'll see the, the, the photo on screen there. Uh, that are a number of fans in the crowd at the Australian Open in Melbourne. And the, uh, the gentleman in the black T-shirt with the white Z uh, painted in front of it, which is uh, quite clearly uh, a symbol supporting Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That symbol is on a lot of the Russian tanks uh, that have invaded Ukraine as well. Um, it's, it's a bit of a mad one because this photo here uh, has been doing the rounds. It's not very clear, but again, another person with a, a black Z T-shirt, clearly a pro-Russian T-shirt. It was a pro-Russian demonstration uh, in Melbourne near the Australian. And the, the gentleman on the left... That is Novak Djokovic's father. So the re- this is the reason why this is kind of uh, doing the rounds. Um, and th- there's all these Russian flags. There's flags bearing the, the image of Vladimir Putin as well. Uh, the Ukraine ambassador calling all this a disgrace. Uh, Djokovic had just booked his place in the tournament semi-final with a, a thumping of Andrei Rublev at Rod Laver Arena. This was on Wednesday night. Then after the match, this group of fans unfurling the Russian flags, which are banned, by the way, at Melbourne Park, uh, near the stadium, chanting pro-Russian chants, pro-Putin chants as well. Uh, Tennis Australia saying four people, quote, revealed inappropriate flags and symbols and threatened security guards. Police were called. They were ejected from Melbourne Park. Uh, And then video later posted to a pro-Russian Australian YouTube account uh, showed Djokovic's father, as we saw there from the screen grab, his father, Serjan, posing with a man holding that Russian flag bearing President Putin's image. He also has the the black T-shirt, as I said, with the Z on it. Um, The video captioned, Novak Djokovic's father makes bold political statement. Serbian tennis reporters confirming that man on the left was Djokovic's father. The Melbourne Age newspaper reporting he said in Serbian, quote, long live Russia. Spectators, as we say, banned from having Russian or Belarusian flags at the Grand Slam. Uh, this was, of course, after the Ukraine ambassador to Australia and New Zealand demanded action when they were seen among the crowd last week. Uh, Russian embassy heading back as well. Um, and, and look, all these flags just leave a bad taste in the mouth. There's a Ukrainian player as well, Lesia Tsarenko, who was defeated in the uh, the first round, who tweeted, no words to say. Uh, a lot of the players have, have hit back as well. Ukrainian former player Alex Dolgopolov, currently fighting in the war, asked on Twitter, this guy will get banned for life, at least for all Australian events, right? And tagged at Australian Open as well. Um, and there are people of the other persuasion. Simeon Boykov, who runs the YouTube channel, who posted the footage, has urged Russian supporters to descend on Melbourne Park to protest the flag ban. He says, this is about honour and dignity now. This is an attack on honour and dignity. This has got nothing with the war. The Russian Empire has had its flag banned. Well, guess what, Tennis Australia? Good luck when the Empire strikes back. Bit of a Star Wars reference there from uh, from the gentleman. Um, and Tennis Australia saying on Thursday it would continue to work with security to enforce entry rules uh, without really saying they were going to directly address the incident involving Djokovic's father. Look, should be said, this is nothing to do with Novak. It's his father, of course, who's involved in this incident. But um, certainly left a bad taste in the mouth. So the positive stories have taken a slight tangent detour. Well, sometimes it, it's it's a story that that we pro- probably and possibly should have covered during the show during the week, uh, and maybe bypassed it for time. Yeah, reasons yeah, no, no, the stories we haven't nobody had time to cover. Slot. I think I think a lot of people would, would acknowledge that was a story worth covering. Uh, no, no, I think it's, it's certainly worth pointing out. Um, by the way, just a piece of news that is coming through in the last little while from French rugby vice chairman Bernard Laporte has resigned as president of the French uh, Football um, uh, Association. Um, He's obviously facing corruption charges and uh, separately been questioned in relation to tax fraud. Um, So uh, he did step aside from his position at World Rugby in recent weeks as well, but uh, that's just a bit of breaking news.
from France. Adrian getting involved in around the world. No, folks. no, that's an actual story that's yeah. worth T- reporting. Taking us to France and around the world. Thank you, Adrian, for that uh, right. detour. We've got five stories today and Adrian's brought us the third one by surprise. We're heading now to Africa, to Cameroon. Uh, on around the world. Uh, Cameroon sealed its qualification for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations under-17s tournament. They beat the Republic of Congo 2-0 uh, 12 days ago. But the squad which won that match, unrecognisable from the one initially selected for the event because 21 of the 30-man original group were disqualified for failing age eligibility tests. Now, how did they find out their ages? Well, it's not quite as simple. It's in some countries in Africa, like Cameroon, the birth cert system is... A little bit rudimentary. They're heading towards using digital search now. Um, but they've done MRI scans to determine bone age and then ejected 21 of the 30 players from the squad. 11 of the replacements drafted into the squad then also failed age tests because they were deemed too old to play in the qualifiers. So um, Samuel Eto, had, who was the um, uh, president of the Cameroon Football Association at this stage, he had decided to, to introduce these age tests. Um, and look, we can understand why some of these players decide to lie about their age um, they rely on football a lot of them come from poor families and poor backgrounds they need the money they want to reduce their ages so they can play for longer periods in the game and make more money it's not a new phenomenon this has happened before Adrian mm. Alf Ramsey the manager led England to its solitary World Cup in 1966 he changed his date of birth the Morning Star reporting it was so he could get a professional contract as a player after World War II Brazilian Carlos Alberto he was 25 when he won the uh, FIFA World Youth Championship with Brazil. Not that Carlos Alberto, by the way. This was in 2003. Uh, that was a tournament for players under the age of 20. And it turned out afterwards, he was 25. He wasn't just over the age group. He was well over it. Uh, he says, it was a chance for me to make a living. I was hungry. Uh, and famously, or infamously, former Newcastle, current Marseille and DRC defender, Chancel Mbemba, was probed by the world governing body FIFA for allegedly having four different birthdays. In an interview with the Mary, he claimed to take bone tests to verify his own age and was eventually ruled to be born on the day that he claimed by FIFA's disciplinary committee. It is an aspect of cheating in some ways. Uh, the record-keeping, as I said, Malawi as well, have recently carried out tests on its own players. Ahead of its qualifiers, had to expel some from the squad. That was from... Uh, but uh, I was curious here as to how do they know from the bone tests what age people are? And the science here is actually fascinating. So as a way of verifying a player's age, um, the Confederation of African Football, CAF, adopted the use of MRI scans. So the scan scans a player's wrist, examining the growth plate before grading it from 1 to 6, Adrian. Don't fall asleep just yet. Grade 6 means a player's growth plate is completely fused to the bone, which typically happens around the age of 18 or 19. Um, however, some committees explain this MRI method is not an assessment of someone's exact age. It's no, not. An, you've not uh, you haven't suddenly wandered onto Lyric FM. Stay with me. Stay we're, with still, me. Uh, we're still with you. Stay with me. The bone fuses at age 18 and 19, but it's not cast in stone. It is still possible for players who are over the age of 17 to pass as eligible to play. The scan uh, works for boys only, as the wrist growth plate development is different to that of girls. I I have to say, like, I don't think this is ever going to reach such depths. I would hope it would never reach such depths as that amazing exciting, isn't it? Wow. You you mustn't have liked science or biology in school, Adrian, did you? Well, at least when I stepped into the classroom, I knew that I wasn't there for for entertainment. And um, I... Similar sort of um, feelings about this slot chain. Uh, if someone wants to let me know in the comments that you found the, the uh, bone density scans and MRIs uh, interesting, even if you didn't, you can let us know. Um, just, to, just, to, just so I can, in the post-meeting, uh, the post-show meeting, explain to Adrian that we will be doing this slot again mm. and uh, no one is going to get rid of it. Do you want to finish on a positive story, Adrian? I just want to finish. Yeah, okay. Well, we will finish in just a moment. Thanks for your for enthusiasm this morning. Much appreciated, as always. We're heading to Scotland. Born the old Scotland to Darvel 
I have done some research on Darvel during the week because I hadn't uh, been familiar with them. Uh, it was a David versus Goliath story in the Scottish Cup uh, last weekend, I think it was, as Darvel, little old Darvel, uh, sixth or seventh tier, I think, in the they're, they're in the west of Scotland Premier Division. They're way down. They beat Aberdeen by a goal to nil. This was a result that uh, has, has, of course, thrown the um, the tenure of Waterford's Jim Goodwin at Aberdeen into a little bit of uh, uh, question. So uh, he was already under pressure. They had had five nil defeat by Hearts at Tynecastle the week before, one win in nine games. He's being defiant. He says he's the man to turn things around. But this result, when you're losing to a team like Darvel, I, I don't mean a team like Darvel, but they're clearly underdogs. They're going to play Falkirk in the competition's next round. Andy Robertson, Liverpool's Andy Robertson, and Scotland's Andy Robertson, one of the people who tweeted their praise, a few clapping emojis on Twitter for the for the Darvel team. Um, the the uh, team talk that he gave before the match in the dressing room to the Darvel players, you're thinking afterwards, oh, yeah, of course it's going viral now because they ended up winning the match. We wouldn't have seen this footage otherwise. But BBC Sports Scotland tweeted it out. And the footage from the Darvel manager, Mick Kennedy, to the players before the game against Aberdeen would leave you believing in anything. You, you, you'll feel like wanting to go onto the pitch here yourself and watch this speech and uh, it will become apparent as to why Darvel went out and won the game. The next 90 minutes will probably be the most important 90 minutes in your career. All right? I've read up the day that the average man lives to about 77. All right? 40 million minutes in his life. All right? I'm asking you to gear absolute utmost for the next 90. 90 minutes out of 40 million. Right? That's all I'm asking for. So when that whistle goes, be prepared to give everything you've got for each other, for yourself, for your family. Be proud of what you achieved and be proud of what we're going to achieve. Because I promise you right now, we can win this. But it's about belief. That belief starts inside yourself, then it spreads through one another. But you must believe. People talk about underdogs, I'm telling you right now we're no underdogs. I do not believe that. I've never believed it for the draw has been done. Because I know what's in the change room, I know what's in your hearts, I know when we're together. We can achieve it and we say I meant it. But you've got to be hungry, you've got to have the desire in your belly. You've got to draw strength for the crowd. You've got to drop for one another. When you need to find that extra yard, that extra bit of oxygen, then look around about you. Look to your brothers. Look to your family. Let's look to the next round. Let's go. I'm ready to go. I must say, he's that. I watched it during the week and I thought, this is not. He's going to walk into a job somewhere oh, further up the leagues soon. Because of this clip. Well, because of the clip. And the win, of course. The way he communicated it. it was quite Brendan Rodgers esque. Do you remember that? Liverpool, do, you do it for your family. Yeah. Remember that? Do you remember that? Character. When he was at Liverpool. Um, and because he's got such a strong Scottish accent, I think mm. that's going to be the biggest thing in his favour. It was fantastic. Mm. I was watching that clip yesterday and I nearly stood up out of my seat and said, mm. I'm, I'm going to the gym and I'm going to. Then I'm gonna do something. It, it just it would put you in a motivate, motivational type of mood. Not saying that has won me over with the slot, but that, getting there. If, that, if we get more of that, that would have less bone marrow density analysing stuff and more of that. That'd be good. One for the science. Just to finish off on a couple of the comments that have come in. Um, is it true Adrian's hero is the sommelier in the RDS? That's from Darrow Tool. Quite possibly. Quite probably. Um, other people commenting on this as well. If Carlos Alberto was overaged, says Fergus Keogh, should all games he played in not be replayed? <laughs> uh, <big laughs> I'm not sure what you're getting at there Fergus but I, I, I do know in fact um, uh, Des Crosdale when I asked for comments said no point you don't reply boys Des how are you how are things Owen Scully just before that good morning Owen Scully uh, loaded Zeds 
Yeah. Just sleeping emoji. Uh, Adrian, your burner account on YouTube has clearly been uh, been <laughs> busy. Um, but yeah, no, that, I, I'm when glad. Around the world the over, in. asks on a little bit later on. No, and, forget, um, it, forget about it. It's over now. But you know what, folks, it will be back. That was around the world. Um, what are we doing, um, Sean Dyche? I have to look at my uh, screen. Sean Dyche has been about to be appointed as the next Everton manager. Yep. Uh, this is this is good news. Brilliant. Well, brilliant for for everyone involved in terms of media and. Uh, Someone who's exciting and good in press conferences. I think good. I think also very good for Everton fans. I think they'll be. Yeah. I think they'll be enthused, excited, uh, believing. Mm. now, like that he can go in and turn things around because obviously an attitude is kind of their, uh, not their only issue, but certainly one of the issues. And uh, you would hope that Sean Dyche, Sean Dyche has a way to uh, play them out of it, and from an attitude point of view, give them a bit of a. What was your man's name? The Darver manager. Uh, Mick Kennedy yeah it? I'd say he can Mick Kennedy, Mick Kennedy a bit of life into them I mean when you saw that when you see the position in the table is it 19th you're like yeah Deitch is the man for the job Bielsa doesn't really as we said talk, take jobs in the middle of the, the season he's expected to be appointed Sky Sports reporting today uh, Bielsa and Deitch both held talks with the club yesterday um, with the former spotted in London for negotiations with the Everton board that was Bielsa uh, but it seems the former Burnley manager has won the race Um and uh, the Everton hierarchy wanted Lampard's successor to be appointed by today, and it appears. That's I think if you through. weren't sure about the Lampard departure, this is a good net result. I think you're happy if yeah. you're an Everton fan this morning. Yeah, I'd be delighted if I was an Everton fan with uh, Edge. Do get your comments if you are an Everton supporter watching this morning. Uh, fire them into us. Here's what's coming up on uh, OTP Sports Radio between now and. Uh, the end of today. <laughs> We're going to have, I presume we'll have a football kickoff at half past. Will there be no football kickoff today because it's the FA Cup? So that'll be back to you next week. And then in the meantime, to keep you going, we'll have Augie Moran at one o'clock, who's the subject of OTP Gold. We'll have Mount Rushmore, Cavan are in the hot seat from three. And then uh, Jason McIntyre, Mark Lawrenson interview each other in up close and personal from four. And at six, Keith Andrews in conversation with Philly McMahon from a couple of years back. And a reminder as well. OTPM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. You can follow OTB across all of our social channels. Subscribe to our uh, OTB podcast network for all the very best and uh, latest in sports content. During the ads here, you're going to hear a clip from the latest episode of the Football Pod. The uh, Tommy Rooney, Paddy Andrews and James Donahue pod, where the lads spoke about uh, the year that Mayo's Tommy Conroy could have ahead of him. The uh, Football Pod is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsor of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. You can check out hashtag the toughest for more on all of that. We're back after that addressing the burning question of the morning that we floated out. We will finally be able to answer it for you. Dominating the comments this morning. Back after these. OTB AM on OTB Sports Radio Ireland's first and only sports radio station OTB Sports Rugby We were trying so hard every kick off the boot it was like he had no timing in the world it was, they were just like dead ducks flying across the air and Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now I am excited to see Tommy Conroy at Mayo Yes I think Everyone, not just Mayo, obviously Mayo supporters, would think everyone was, it was a cruel blow for Mayo in particular, but for him. Yeah. Breakout year in 2021, all-star, an exciting player to watch. And it was this time last year, Sigerson game, season gone. Yeah. A unbelievable blow to Mayo. They obviously go on and lose Ryan O'Donoghue as well. They, it was just a bad disaster. Everything, everything that could have went wrong went wrong for them. I think he'll have a massive role for Mayo this year. I, I would love to see, just purely just to see how this would work, if you got Ryan O'Donoghue, Killing O'Connor, back at his sharpest as he can be. I know he's a lot of miles on the clock, but if he can get back to somewhere near his best and Tommy Conroy inside, 
that those three guys in the full forward line playing off each other. Killian's an unbelievably smart player, so he can bring the other guys into it. That could be that's what Mayo are going to need if they're going to have any say on this. But I just think the way Conroy plays, he's buzzing around the place. He's all action. And I want to see, can he kick on from, from a brilliant year in 2021? He's lost the season, so no sure. doubt he's mad for roads. So I'm excited to see him. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 19 minutes past uh, nine. That slurping that you hear in the background is uh, Colm having rejoined us with a nice cup of Brayburn coffee. Brayburn coffee. Three. Enjoy a nice coffee from Abbott Apple Green Store nationwide near you. Delicious. Very good. It's lovely. So this official segment, sponsor. Official segment sponsors. Coffee as, partner as off the ball. Um, Colm, good morning to you. Kathleen, welcome. Good morning. Shane, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here again. And uh, for everybody who's still with us after our last item, um, welcome to you as well. We've had a lot of uh, comments. Uh, Colm has described it as dominating miserable comments git, box you know this morning. Miserable <laughs> you got to call it like it is. You gotta, uh, what's it's Friday, it's Friday like, come on. Tell it, tell it like it is. <laughs> That's what I'm after doing. Um, so, yeah, the comments have been dominated by lots of things today, including mm. people's lists of the random question that we threw out at the top of the show. Who would you have current, alive, sports people globally at your dinner table three two one. two one oh I thought you didn't count that <laughs> right. um, yeah well look we want to turn this into a segment folks you know, to end the week and we want to bring you a topic so this is the one that we had today and um, the comments have been alive well can I just say your comments have been very good lately everybody out there yeah. keep them coming like there's loads and loads we like that because we're going to read them out if they're nice you know We'll read it makes our job easier as well. Yeah. So please you can just talk about whatever it's, you bring up in the comments. It's genuinely great. Have so you, um, as the producer of the show, so having said all that, I presume you've collated some of them there, have you? Well, just like yourself, like I have them open here now. But some of the suggestions, you see, the problem is that some of your suggestions out there are actually so good that it does, I fear, going to influence people's decisions here. So again, the criteria, three people, three sports people, they, can, they have to be alive, but they can be retired if you want. So it can be anyone. Uh, the camaraderie has to be there. So it's not just your three heroes because there might not be any buzz around the table. You need a bit of that. And who in your mind would pay for the dinner? So. Oh, I didn't realise that last ring. Yeah, I threw that in Well, there, the venue, yeah. Rogers opened up the whole can of worms about venue. And where would you have it? Yeah. It's quite important, you I know. Yeah. So I think uh, with the man's talking there, he's in a bit of momentum after around the world with Hannon. I think we should start. Oh, Shane. pressure's on here. I've come up with two little dinner parties, mm. uh, both a bit different. Um, taking the Ronan O'Gara rules. Yeah, <laughs> no, I haven't done. Uh, yeah, what did he do? Eight or nine or ten? Um, I haven't included my. Oh, sorry, are, am I at this dinner as well? Am yeah, I, yeah, am I the fourth you, person? It, it, it's, it's you plus three, because otherwise, what are you? What is it? Organise dinner. So there's just a camera on it. Yeah, you just live yeah. stream it just for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm at the dinner as well. Uh, first pick, <clears throat> Alex Ferguson. Mm. Lots to talk about. Lots to get into. And while he's still around, I'd like to pick his brain. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that. A little that. bit morbid there. I don't, I don't mean that in a morbid sense, but I mean, you know, it's like, you know, when you get the recorder out with your grandparents and you're like, do you know what? Let's, let's get some of these stories down. Alex Ferguson has obviously put his stories into print into multitude of interviews across the decades. But I'd like to hear it from the horse's mouth. To excuse the horse pun. Uh, Rock of Gibraltar, etc. I would love to sit down with Alex Ferguson in a dinner setting. 
uh, I think a couple of glasses of red wine as well. You better have Roy Keane also at this. At this, I don't have Roy Keane because oh. I've I've thought about the dynamic. I don't want an awkward dinner. I want to enjoy. I want to be leaving that dinner going feeling blessed to be alive and feeling that uh, our place in this universe, floating around in a ball of rock through space, means something. Um, I'd have Rory McIlroy as my second oh. voice at this dinner. Good shout. Rory's a Manchester United fan. Uh, I'm pretty sure he is well able to speak his mind. He strikes me as a cultured man, learned on a number of topics, not just golf. Uh, I don't want us to sit there for, for hours and talk about football or Manchester United or golf or Patrick Reid. I, I want to talk about other things, you know, things that things that matter in the world. Do you know, uh, like, phil- they both seem like philosophical gentlemen. I know Alex Ferguson has spoken about Michael Collins and Podrick Pierce and James Connolly and all these Irish patriots. He's a, he's a red man, a learned man. And McElroy strikes me as the same who would get involved in these conversations. And the fact that he's a United fan as well is my reason for putting him second. Third guest in that particular dinner party is Park Ji Sung. Um, so now we've, we've gone from the <laughs> sublime to the... Ridiculous. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me clarify this. Park Ji Sung is one of Alex... He's Fer- like fourth guest, Lee Keegan. <laughs> Fifth Malfi O'Rourke. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. But Park Ji Sung was one of Alex Ferguson's favourite players of all time. A workhorse, someone who I think would bring to the dinner party some South Korean cuisine, which I've never tried. Do they actually have to cook as well? No, they don't have to cook, but I, <laughs> but I think he would he would bring a certain aspect of Asian food to the picture here. Or he's more of a potluck or something, is it? Yeah, potentially. But Park, um, Park is one of those people who is so pleasant, is so happy uh, with life. He's a happy-go-lucky character. Rory would obviously be in, be in awe of both of these lads. R- Rory being a Manchester United fan, he'd be in the same boat as me, where we're all kind of fanboying over each other. But I also think Park and Alex Ferguson would appreciate Rory's talents in the world of golf. That's my first three. My second three... What? what? How are we two, two, let's let's two, go around the room first. Yeah, one, one. And if we have time, like as Rory Armour points out on YouTube here, Shane's head's gone and I, head's I'm gone. with you. He, he started off so he well he's gone. and then he just took an awful Don't be jealous, go on. trip south. You're driving this, are you? I did so when I was doing this, it was weird. I found that like managers were coming to my head a lot more. Like uh, some of them were former players as well, but I don't know. There was something about the managerial quality that really stuck out in my head. So my first one was Emma Hayes, Chelsea manager, because I've listened to her talk a few times and I've been to a few like in-house non-media events with her, and she's just so interesting. And I'd love to just sit with. Her. And she's good crack as well, which I enjoy. You know. She'll have a bit of banter. Uh, she, Burns says she gets the Irish, gets the Irish yeah, way, doesn't exactly, she? Exactly, so, yeah. exactly. And also, uh, at the weekend, Chelsea-Liverpool was called off because of the ice and she offered to buy everyone hot dogs right. that came to the next match. Mm. So dinner would be on her yeah. for that sole reason because uh, I think people costed it up and it would have cost about 18 grand to buy everyone hot dogs at King's Meadow. Jeez. So, you know, we were going for the fancy dinner. Then my second one... I was torn in this one. So my two options, was two tennis options, come you'll be happy to hear, was either Billie Jean King or Venus Williams. Because I've been, I covered Wimbledon and I was at a few press conferences with Venus Williams and she's just, her humour is so dry, but she's been through so much as well. So I just think she'd have really, really good stories. 
But then Billie Jean King is just an icon and I just really want to sit down with her. Um, and actually that one time I covered Wimbledon, I was covering it with my friend Tom Hamilton and he told me there's a pub in Wimbledon called the Fox and Hound where a lot of people oh, yeah. who cover go and a lot of the tennis players turn up there too. And he told me the year before, so it was 2020 when I covered it, so it was COVID, everything was a bit weird. He walked into the pub and Billie Jean King was sitting there and he sat down with her and drank pints all uh, night yeah. and oh. she was great crack. And I was like, can't believe you're telling me this now because I'm not going to get to see Billie Jean King this year. Um, but yeah, I think I'd probably go with her. And then my third one, I was also torn between either Arteta or Raj. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, I just feel yeah. like Raj and Emma Hayes would be such an interesting like meeting of like brilliant minds. Arte- I, I get you're leaning towards Arteta, but he not just bore the arse off you. Well, I don't know I because so. I think I think people have this perception that Arteta is really boring. But like when you look at a lot of his like say the videos that came out after the Amazon documentary mm-hmm. and any of the clips, like you see him on the sidelines and stuff, and everyone's given off this year that he's like, oh, he's too whatever on the sideline. He looks like he's passionate. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mind a bit of cursing, a bit of, you know, having crack with people. So, yeah, I don't know. I think... Well, I mean, you want to talk Arsenal with him anyway, right? So that's well, that's true. And obviously, by this stage, we'll have won the Premier League, so, you know, it'll be a nice <laughs> celebration. Uh, Emma Hayes herself worked at Arsenal before, so, you know, she could join in. Billie Jean King would just be sitting there, happy out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Billie Jean King's a great shout. I listen to the tennis podcast, as three tennis journalists talk uh, about tennis every week, and one of them has a dog called Billie Jean. Billie Jean King got wind of this met them and recorded a podcast with them in their house. Incredible. That's the type of people, wow. the type of people she is. Well, so the, there's this our shout out to Billie Jean King. Please come over to Ireland, especially if she's going to Wimbledon this year. Come over, come on the show. We'll bring you out for dinner. You don't have to pay. I'll pay. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> I was thinking more we need to get a dog called Tom Brady or like... Billie Jean's you know. a great name for a dog. <laughs> Billie, Billie Jean's not my mother. <laughs> yeah, we do need a dog called Ultimate Running Order. All right. Oh, we get an yeah. incredible guest. By guest, by guest. Mm. Do you that was that list is very strong. I like that list. Venus actually. Williams is a great. I was going to curse her. Great shout. Mm. Um, she is. She is genuine. Like, she's fascinating. She has this kind of uh, nonchalance about her, doesn't she? She, she is like, like wise beyond her years. Yeah, I don't know if this is necessarily the right comparison, but she has like the same sort of quality as someone like Eddie Jones has in the sense that she doesn't care if you ask her a question and she doesn't care for it. She will tell you she doesn't care for it and. I like there were so many times in the press conferences with her where she was asking and to be fair they weren't great questions and she was just looking at the person and she wouldn't say anything she'd just look at them until someone else asked a question Mm. or the moderator tried to move it on quickly which is fair enough I mean she's been through so much especially with different parts of the media over her career and she's had to put up with a lot so if I was in her position I totally understand why you'd just be like I couldn't care less about your stupid questions anymore If you were in that situation with Venus Williams and you asked her a question that she didn't care for would you prefer that approach where it's just silence and staring or why did you ask me that question? Ooh, I, uh, I think probably silence and staring because if they ask you why did you ask that question you actually have to respond and mm. give a decent answer I don't know if I'd be like smart enough to come up with something in the moment or else if I would just be like, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Venus, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Like I've had it before when I've been in press conferences and like you ask Mourinho or something a question and you can just feel the eyes staring back at you and it feels like it's about 10 minutes. It's probably only like five seconds, but you're just like, oh, no, what's he going to say? Yeah. yeah. Eddie Jones is the same. 
he was particularly terrifying because he'd take down like a couple of yeah. ma- or a couple of journalists just before you, and then it'd be your turn up next, and you're like, oh, "Is my question hey, stupid?" <laughs> Someone actually just asked my That's question, right, so it's all fine. <laughs> and tell me this: Do you have a favorite interviewee in the press conferences that you've covered? Or a surprise one, maybe actually that you didn't expect to be so giving. Mm. That's a good question, actually. Uh, no, I've probably had it definitely outside of press conferences more than in press conferences um, because, like, the answers are generally quite quick and the questions tend to be quite formulaic. Yeah. Emma Hayes is good because generally you can get a bit of crack out of her or she'll just come up with some, like, ridiculous analogy for something and everyone's sitting there scratching their heads going, is it, she actually being serious or is she pulling her leg with this whole thing? <laughs> um but yeah, I actually, I think a lot of the time the people who surprise me more are like, if you're interviewing like say family members or something of a sports person and you just get a really good interview, like there's there's a special interview coming out soon that I was over in Bristol filming for and we were talking to an Irish player's mum and she was just so articulate, so passionate about her kid and like I enjoy those sort of things probably more than the press conferences because, you know, that's... That's where sports people get their passion from. That's, mm. that's the atmosphere they were bred in. Mm. I like those picks. Yeah, that, that's strong. Adrian, all, um, all up against you here now after that. Uh, <coughs> Two very wildly different choices. Wildly different choices. I haven't had much time to think about this. You sort of You've the same amount of time as everyone else did. I know, but like you're sort of involved in like not what, being able to take uh, around the is, is the it? last number. I'd say Adrian probably wants to pick 16 guests. and even though I don't really. I don't really. I would like to give him more time. I will say that. But I have. I did take her casting thing slightly seriously in that like uh, I just wanted to make sure that there was like a good dynamic around there yeah yeah that's important um, so I went for Kelly Harrington mm-hmm. because I think she's a bit of a buzzer and I think there isn't you made a point about the awkward conversation you don't need to be like you know the way sometimes you're like oh I have to spend a bit of time now in the car with this person or I have to spend a bit of time with you know somebody you're not sure so you put a bit of advanced thought into talking points your own little talking points mm. the internal monologue Proper journalist, I'm, go- yeah. I'm putting it out there now and the assumption that everybody else does this right um, and yeah so but I don't think you'd need to think about that too deeply because I think Kelly would have you covered I think there's no going to be not gonna be any Talk awkward enough. silence yeah. and even if that happens she's going to be the one that goes she points at it and we have all oh, a bit of crack about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and she's a legend, so we'll go with Kelly Harrington. I'm going to go with Pep Guardiola Ooh. because I think that he'd bring something totally different to the party. He'd be obviously um, man of more uh, more years, more experience, um, very different career path. Um, kind of great chat about the Premier League, great chat about the heady days of Barcelona, all the great players he's managed. He's a, also a way more intense character. Mm. So I think there'll be a nice bit of a vibe there. I think they'd actually get on. Just, well, I was going to say, I'd love to know how they would interact with I each other or like well. what they would talk about. And then the last uh, character I've in there would be Shane Lowry. Because I think that... Um, That's strong. That I think, good. again, I think that like there's not going to be... There's a bit of crack going on. He, he's very, he seems very interested in other people. So I think that he'd, he'd be like peppering Pep <laughs> with a few, uh, few good questions... He'd have plenty to ask about uh, Kelly and get involved in the conversation. So that's kind of what I think. There'd be a load of sort of first reserves. I was thinking about like Paula Donovan would be a really interesting, quirky, different person to have. Uh, Ruisha Little. Cotton's got it over there. Absolutely. I had Ruisha as someone that would be great. She'd just be crack. Yeah. So I think she has to be consideration. And Gary O'Toole is. Uh, I've made this point before, but as soon as we get our act together as a country and come up with some sort of a national, proper national award system, uh, from a sports point of view, he's top of the list of people who um, need to be 
selected, elected, mm. whatever you're having yourself. What about Mal O'Kelly? You're a big fan, aren't you? I'd always have Big Mal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Mal is a, is a given. So apart from Roy Keane, who are your other two? I'm getting uh, texts here from people that I know who are trying to preempt my Lammer, shouts, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. you know. And one of them so is fairly Roy obvious. Is number one. No, 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 come on now. Do you know, I was uh, humming high over this now, but I'm going to go with the following, right? And relax, will you, when I say this. Just relax. Well, there's going to be okay. cork names left, right, and centre here. Just relax. You know, you've Don't got a global. Imagine having a global pick. You can't pick three cork and names. And you're just going with people. You that can't are even on your pick doorstep. two, really, can you? It's 9.34 a.m. OTB AM is brought to you by Gillette Labs. <laughs> For Netflix, finished to your day. We're nearly finished now. Um, I am not. I, you know, the. Oh, Paula Donovan's shout was great. Have you not decided? I did what I did, but that's um, got my way now. Right, so I'm going to go for uh, Brazilian Ronaldo. Okay. Famously not from Cork. Uh, he's so charismatic, like this guy. Did you, have you seen the Ronaldo documentary? Yeah, brilliant. Phenomenon. And he is like surprisingly like amazing English for a guy who doesn't really have any reason to. Uh, Jar interviewed him at the Web Summit a few years ago, and I think he's, I think that interview, a photo of it is Jar's cover photo on Twitter. And Jar wouldn't be one, as he'd said to you, to like... Yeah. Get in there with the people he interviews, but uh, he loves them so much. And then, if you ever listen to him at all, he just has this kind of lust for life and just wants to have as good a time as possible for the time he's here, and then at the same time achieve as much as he can. So, like him as a footballer, him coming back from '98, 2002, like I could listen to him all night talk about that mm. during dinner. And then the fact that he goes into club ownership, which is such an unusual thing for a player to do—not like coaching, not media work—but I'll own a club instead. So. There's, this, there's these two sides to Ronaldo so he has this reputation for like he loves a good time and he's always out and about but I imagine owning a club is incredibly stressful so straight away I could just have a one-on-one with Ronaldo mm. and talk endlessly to him about how amazing he was when he came on the scene so young that uh, time between 98 and 02 and like one of the attributes that Ronaldo wouldn't necessarily be associated with is his work ethic and ability to come back he doesn't and want to talk about football he's out for dinner Colin I would no, have no, concern. No, 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 no. You, you talk about that and then you move on to life stuff. And he has this smile about him that suggests like there's a glint in the eye and he's like, whatever you want to talk about, I'm happy to talk You're about. You're definitely a talking points man as well. You'd nearly actually have them it's an agenda. No, I wouldn't. I, I'd mm. actually be the complete opposite. And I'd, be, I'd, I'd also this. be concerned that they wouldn't get a word in edgewise. Not at all. Why should they have no interest now in pot kettle? The two lads things. here, yeah. I just want to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just want. I just want to hear from Ronaldo, right? So that's one. The other one I want is Goran Ivanisevic, the 2001 Wimbledon final winner. And uh, he had a great quote the morning of that final. I wouldn't mind putting my racket away if God let me win today. Uh, He had lost three previous Wimbledon finals. But his uh, post-match speech in Wimbledon after beating Pat Rafter in that final was almost as good as the win itself. He's so naturally funny. And again, charismatic. And again, I think with Ivanisevic, he's a fascinating career. So that's the, the backlog conversation that if you want to fall back on that, you can talk about his career. But again, with him, like Ronaldo, there's something more to him. Mm. He has more of an interest in life. From Croatia, tough background, but wants to talk about other things. Big football fan. His last appearance at Wimbledon in 2004, he lost to Leighton Hewitt, ripped off his shirt, put on a Croatia jersey because Croatia were playing England that night in 2004 and instead of goading the crowd. You could get up to all sorts of Goran. The thing I liked about these two choices, right, dinner would have finished at 9 or 10. Would it go on, would it? What, what, what do you want to do now? Those two boys would be well up for a night. The thing I liked about Thanks. my first two choices, he's literally just said there. That, well, yeah, as I, as I realise it. And then uh, the last one, I have uh, a split decision because I've already had one tennis I was going to have Monica Seles because of what happened to her 
and then how brilliant she was. And she's one of my first, uh, I suppose, sporting icons growing up because my mother was like, obsessed with tennis. And so it was always on in the house. And she's a brilliant talker about what happened to her, but also her interest after tennis and what she did. So I was really close to picking her. But I said for the dynamic... You can't have two tennis players. Yeah, go on. The, you can't. The dynamic. I'm going to go for <laughs> US golfer Boo Weekly. Boo Weekly be proud of me there, as G-Max says. Boo Weekly. He played a 2008 Ryder Cup when America won. I think that was the Faldo year. And uh, he hit a great tee shot off the 18 green and he started riding the club down like a horse because he's kind of like a cowboy type figure. And he famously has very little interest in golf but is just very good at it. And every time I hear this guy in a press conference or interview, he doesn't really play anymore, but this is like going back. And again, he's retired, so it's kind of interesting retrospective That's view interesting. on things. That's, and I didn't expect that from you. And he talks, and no, he is so, so no. fascinating about golf. He's like, I just play it because it pays me well, but really all I want to do is be at home and go fishing. So again, you have the golf, you have the Ryder Cup victory that he was central to, but if you want to get off the sport... You get on to life. And you can make it a regular dinner. You can have it every seven days with him as well. Well, he, I don't I, I think tell you, you could have a dinner with Boo Weekly whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. certainly weekly anyway. <laughs> whatever, you're, whatever you're thinking. Yeah, Boo Monthly maybe. But like, yeah. we could have that, Ronaldo, Gorni Vanisevic, Boo Weekly, where are we off to next? And I think you get great value for money in that night out because it's not just the dinner. Could be drinks after. So use of all, use of all. I'm embarrassed now because you've taken it so seriously. I, I should say my actual three, my, my serious three, is Ronnie O'Sullivan, Kira McGeehan, and Damien Brown. Kira McGeehan's actually a good shout. That's my three, because Ronnie Sullivan loves running and athletics, so he'd have great chats with Kira. And then Damien Brown, we'd all be talking to Damien Brown over crossing yeah. the Atlantic in that boat. Um, so that's my actual, if I'm being serious and honest. It's very deep conversation. Oh, with Damien. Yeah. 100%, mm-hmm. but I love it. Because mm. Kira and Ronnie would show an interest. And there's a bit of cheek out of Ronnie O'Sullivan as well, so you'd have the bit of yeah. back and forth. Three's a harsh number, isn't it? Tough. Albie Littlewood says Roddy Collins all the way. It's a very good shot. Yeah, I don't think you need anybody else if you have Roddy. Mm. That's the thing. Roger was a great pick. I, I guess we just don't think of Roger because we're, we were lucky enough to chat to him regularly enough. Well, see, that's the thing. that I had that in my mind as well, but I was also like, I just imagine him and Emma Hayes sitting down together and I just feel mm. like the conversations about managing and managing people would just be so interesting and the sort of thing you could join in on slightly and be like, oh... Oh, it's like tell me more. Hundred <laughs> percent. The stories some of these people have. Um, I, I went for dinner in Vegas with uh, Gene Kilroy, Muhammad Ali's manager, during last summer, and I was sitting there and I was thinking, this man, the stories he was telling, like mm. about meeting Elvis and stuff and crazy stuff. And at one point, he gets a phone call during the during the thing. He's like, "Who's this?" And he eventually materializes when he's off the phone. Um, it was Willie Nelson's daughter, Amy, and Willie Willie was in the background. Willie, Willie was oh. in the background, and I was like, "This is that insanity." Class. you know. But just people who have stories it would be a great. Um, dinner party guest needless to say same now we've run out of time <laughs> good but we'll be back we next got, we week we've got to go we got to Fri- go. what is it called Friday Fire Pit Fri- Friday Fire, Fire Pit, Pit Fridays so we just put a bit more thought into the next or Rory Larmer said Boo Week Weekly which is good after yeah. Boo Weekly oh Boo Week Weekly I don't want to pee by myself that no. was a left I liked field it, um, yeah, yeah, slash yeah. odd call the Boo Weekly that was bizarre very bizarre oh, yeah, no, no, I didn't want to say honestly, it Jay, but no, honestly right. watch, watch the interviews back like you know, honestly I'm not yeah. uh, I'm yeah, very yeah. proud of that no choice. definitely that'll be very proud of that he's just like, I did not expect big plan for the weekend now. look honestly <laughs> your plan sorted you can yeah. pick any live sports person in the world and you'll choose Boo Weekly camaraderie we leave it there so we leave it there so um, thanks a million for coming in folks um, for the Friday Fire Pit it was a, an interesting debut for the item and we'll see where it goes from here it's gone uh, 22.10 on this Friday morning 
What are you saying? He's just mental about um, sitting there mumbling away to yourself in the middle of the outro. He's just a grumpy old man. Isn't he? Yeah. I've had a hard week on a lot of different things. OTBM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We're going to be back on Monday morning. It'll be Jerry Shane and the fantabulous Gillette Labs performance rankings will have a reaction to the return of the weekend's GEA, the FA Cup, URC, and plenty more as well. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.